Space Podcast. Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESOAmazon. Or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out TangiboundNetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains, you can do it. You can do it. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Hey, it's Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Josh Peterson, uh, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media. We're here live at E3 2017 for the latest episode of the PCC Multiverse. And just want to make sure everybody knows out there we're going to get some great interviews from some of the the hottest developers in the video game industry. So check it out. And you know what? What's our next stop? Uh, the, The hall, the main hall. We're going in. No, no. It's the PCC Multiverse. Oh. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry, that quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We are along with Janemann Nordhagen. All right, I broke down and I got it for you. And he's here to show us to showcase the game right here at E3 2017 Indicate, right for When Water Tastes Like Wine. Is that correct? Where the water tastes like wine. There, where the water tastes like wine. So tell us first off, you were saying about took about three years to create the game. Tell us a little bit more about your work into it and the game itself. Sure. So uh, this is a narrative game. It's about traveling and telling stories in a sort of Depression-era United States. Um, so it's all about folklore and spreading spreading tales and songs around the country. Uh, there are 16 different characters that you can meet as you wander around and share stories with. Uh, each of these characters is written by a different person. So this game is kind of like a 
collection of short stories in video game form. And uh, I'm sort of the, I don't know, the, the creative director as well as programmer uh, of, of the game. Um, the driving force behind it, I guess you'd say. And, and as far as, would people treat it as far as an adventure game? Or what, what kind of games can they really relate this to as far as when they're actually playing through it? Right, it's, it's difficult to tie it to a particular genre, but we do have a kind of 3D overworld that you wander through where you meet these people and you have little adventures. In some ways it's like an RPG, uh, but with more of a narrative spin to it. Uh, All right. The game looks beautiful. Thank you. Josh, you want to get some shots? The, the game itself, just, what are you looking at as far as for where the water, uh, as far as where, where it comes out, when it comes out, and what's, what's the particulars on that? Right. So we don't have a release date yet or a price, but it'll be out on Steam, um, and then later it'll be on PlayStation and Xbox. Oh, sweet. Um, and to find out more information about it right now, you can go to wherethewatertasteslikewine.com. Okay, so that's wherethewatertastelikewine.com. Okay, that's great, right. great, great indeed. And then uh, as far as, are you looking as far what time when somebody sits down and plays it, how long do you think as far as maybe uh, it would be nice involving game? Is it going to be something a long term, maybe a shorter game? What as far as what are you looking at for as far as when some regular consumers sit down to play? What kind of experience would they be looking at? It obviously depends on how deeply you dig into the stories and how thoroughly you want to uncover all the, the tales that the characters have to tell you. We think it's going to be about a five to ten hour experience for most people. Okay, that's awesome. That's it. For me and for Josh, who does not have all the time in the world to play games, this is something that could really hit a sweet spot for us because we want to get involved and invested into a great narrative, but we, like we said, don't have all the time to do so indeed. So I that's, know exactly how you feel. That's, yep. uh, that's great indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, Yanaman, I'll tell you what, it's been a great pleasure having you on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Uh, and that's, again, where the water turns into wine. Where the water tastes like wine. Ah! It's, it's a complicated name, don't worry about it. Where the water tastes like, where the water tastes like wine. I'll get it right one of these days. Where the water tastes like wine, it's going to be available on Steam coming soon. Is it a type of early access or anything? No, no, we're just going to release and that'll be it. It's Once it goes in the wild, that's it. Yep, exactly. All right, that's even better. There you go, the old traditional, old school way, where there's not like five years of early access. There you go, indeed. Well, I wish you all the best with the game. It's going to be tremendous. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And then, so let us know if you want to come back on Pop Culture Cosmos on, on YouTube and also on our radio state, on our radio shows that are done twice each week to a vast audience. Let us know. We're more than happy to have you on to talk more about the game itself. Great. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. Appreciate it. Got a great song from Chad and all the rest of the gang at Hyperschmidt. This is about to win, and you're listening to the PCC Multiverse. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with it. Staring at the finish line, the darkness running out of time. I'll do what it takes to get you
That's about to win from Hyperschmidt. Catch all their great songs today on YouTube. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, everyone. If you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly or that punting green to work on your golf game, Always Green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways. So if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach and get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse Channels. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com Back live, we're right here at a case of distrust right here at IndieCade at E3 2017. And I'm here with Ben Wander. How you doing? Hey man, how's it going? Good, good, good. Are you, you're the creator, obviously, of a case of distrust? That's right, I did the code, the writing, and the art of the whole game. Sweet, so yeah. tell me a little bit more about a case of distrust, because I don't trust Josh, my co-host right over there, but tell me a little bit more about the game that you got going on right here. So it's a narrative mystery from 1924 San Francisco. Private investigator at the time, and uh, it, it takes a lot of the themes of that time period: emancipation of women, the uh, prohibition of the period, all the gangsters, all the corruption. We built out a whole world with that stuff in mind. Put uh, an adventure game on top of that, and you're solving a mystery uh, as as the main gameplay component. 
finding clues, you're, uh, you're using evidence, you're using statements you get from suspects, and you're uh, trying to solve a mystery. What is some of the feedback that you got from gamers out there as I show people, well, we're going to be uh, taking a look at it right there as you scour locations for evidence and whatnot. So what are some of the feedback you're getting from gamers as you started to introduce it to the audience? Yeah, so the big thing that people notice is the transitions, I think, uh, are, are really striking. So we used a Saul Boss art style, and he did a lot of like 1950s and 60s uh, cinematic intros and movie posters, and that's sort of the style that we're going with. And people also really like the time period, that it's a historical type of thing uh, that, that they can explore and kind of find different things out about the time while they're having fun. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, I see the game as far as it looks very involving. It looks like it's going to take someone a, a little bit of time to figure out, obviously, where to go, what to do, and, and all the things to figure out. How long do you think maybe the average consumer, the average gamer, gets involved with a case of distress? How long do you think it has any type of playtime, runtime, as far as 10, 20 hours? What do you look forward to as far as when they get into a case of Right, so the, the main game itself will probably be about three to four hours. We've just hit uh, our alpha right now, which we've had internally. We can play it from start to finish for the first time, and so we're we're seeing what parts we want to keep, what parts we want to cut, where we want to add stuff to it. But it's probably going to be about three to four hours. Of course, in the game, uh, different people react different ways to how you talk to them. So some people might like you more, some people might not. So, you know, it's the type of thing that you might want to play through again and see how it would be different if you play through it a different way. Yeah. Well, that's awesome indeed. That's obviously a, a great game that's coming out. And also as well, can you let us know what formats, what's the pricing, and, and if possible, release date and when it's coming out? Sure, so it's coming out later this year. Uh, we haven't quite yet announced a price so far, and then it'll be out on uh, Mac and PC. You'll be able to get it on Steam, on our website, and probably on a few other online stores. Oh, that's awesome indeed. That, that's, that's a great pleasure to talk to you about a case of distress. If you get any chance at all, and I'm going to take a little bit of footage of the game itself. It looks very, very involving indeed. And as I said, any uh, questions that someone may have about the game, where can they go? Uh, they can go to acaseofdistress.com, which is our website. You can find the game on Steam, and you can also go to thewanderingben.com, where we're running a devlog every week. We're updating it with new screenshots and new stuff, and sort of behind the scenes of how we're doing the things that we do. Oh, sounds great indeed. Well, Ben, I appreciate your time. I hope, I wish you nothing but the best of success with the case of distrust. And like I said, I hope to get you back on our show again to talk more about your great games. I would love to. Thank you so much. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you for being part of Pop Culture Cosmos. It's been great. It's been a great time. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire. And we're back live at E3 2017. My name is Gerald Glasper, once again with Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. It is my unique pleasure to have on one of the creators of Mixer, James. 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 Great to meet you, James. I told you I was bad at names. <laughs> That's all right. No worries. I wanted to ask real quick, James, what's going on with Mixer? I know I've got, like I was telling you before, we're going on the air. I've gotten all the press releases on how great it is. 
the, the lack of, of, I guess, of waiting time, buffering time, as yeah. compared to some of the other streaming services that are out there. And obviously, the future is great. You're working with Xbox. You can tell by the excitement. They're excited about Lots Mixer, too. Yes. They're also excited as, well, as far as, you know, compared to YouTube and, and obviously Twitch and whatnot, that your partnership with Microsoft, the fact that, you know, Microsoft yeah. has such a big hand in this, is making it so much easier for people to stream online their favorite games. Yeah. Oh, man. So a lot of questions in there. Uh, to break it down, though, Mixer is uh, essentially Beam, but renamed Mixer. It's so the awesome team that's behind it. So Mixer is an interactive streaming platform that lets viewers control the gameplay. So actually just over here we've got interactive soccer where about a thousand people are controlling robots that are from the stream watching all around the world controlling these robots playing soccer live. From the chat room? Is that from the, from the chat room. Directly below the chat we've got an interface for uh, people to press buttons or use their keyboard and control whatever you want to hook up to it uh, in the game. So really what enables us to do this is we've got uh, our own custom streaming protocol called FTL, Fast and Light. It's a fourth of a second stream delay. So most platforms have anywhere between 10 to 30 seconds of delay. We have a fourth of a second. It's like having a real conversation. So you're able, if you're a streamer and you're building community, you can have a real conversation back and forth extremely quickly. So with that, that low delay, what that really enables us to do is take that and have maybe like, a, we announced a telltale integration where viewers can make those decisions in the game and they can choose the story, how to go along the story, because you're able to instantly see what's happening on the stream and make a decision for the streamer. And I know obviously since you're working so aligned, you're aligned so closely with Microsoft that with PC and obviously Xbox One, Xbox One X. What is your? What do you think as far as the future holds for? for Mixer when it comes to those systems, especially yeah. Xbox One X that was just announced. Yeah, so you know we're platform agnostic. We've got a great lineup of streamers from all different platforms out there. The cool thing that we're working with Xbox is we announced our Xbox app and our native broadcasting ability. So from the guide on Xbox, you're able to launch a broadcast. Within about three clicks, you're live on Mixer. Same on Windows 10, you press Windows G, uh, brings up the game bar, you're able to broadcast right from your you know, your gameplay right from the game bar to Mixer with another three clicks. So, really, really cool. We're seeing lots of new streamers come as a result of that. People that have never streamed before even watch streams. So there's a new audience there, especially on console where maybe they haven't, you know, they've never participated in streams before. They're now all doing this on Mixer. And the last thing I want to ask you, because I know you're really busy, just starting E3 2017, the mad rush is here and yeah. uh, you know, all that, thousands of people here and whatnot. Um, you've got, obviously, YouTube and Twitch, and so, so many people are familiar with comfortable about watching and obviously using it and becoming streamers and obviously a lot of people have been streamers for a long time. What do you say to those people that are so comfortable on those other competitors such as Twitch and YouTube and say, hey, Mixer is a better alternative. Why don't you come on over here? What, what basically would you do to, to bring them over? Yeah, so I think it comes down to ease of access through those uh, through the integrations we have on Xbox and through Windows. We just make it super easy to get started for people. So there's great communities on other platforms, and we definitely don't want to disrupt what they're doing. Um, but it's definitely, you know, they're starting to see this as an alternative where you don't have to just use one or the other. You can use multiple ones, and you can stream elsewhere. So you've seen new people come over and get a lot more visibility because it's just, there's so many people checking it out right now, especially with E3. We had over a million people uh, on the service that, you know, that throughout this week, so watching the briefing. So really, really incredible. We're seeing a lot of growth, and uh, you know, just give it an opportunity. Give it a chance. Well, that's awesome to hear. James, it's been a pleasure having you on the Thank Pop you, Culture Cosmos. And I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to a lot of great things from your company and your creation known as Mixer. Thank Thanks. you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Gerald. 
Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my well, new friend here at E3 2017. It's Gonzalo Alvarez. How are you, my friend? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Just excited to be here. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we're talking about the game Borders. So, I, you know, I just came here to indicate, and so the first thing I came to was to see what you're going on with the borders, because obviously the political references and whatnot, and obviously socially important at this point in time. So tell me a little bit more about the awesome game known as Borders. Yeah, well, um, Borders, it's a game about immigration, and I made it to basically be able to tell people what it's like to cross the border. My parents had to do it 20 years ago to have me here, and simulating what it's like to do it, maybe it'll get people to be a bit more sympathetic. Yeah, yeah it, sounds, it looks good. So it's a Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, He-Man Comedia, Game Source, and Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. 
We'll be back for more. This is the PCC Multiverse. It's time for more sarcasm, more gloating, more pop culture BS, and ridiculous video game chat as GamerCast returns for Season 2. My name is Rob McCallum, and this year, once again, I'm joined by Mr. Glenn Stanway and my lifelong friend, Jay Bartlett. This year, the show moves to a slightly different format, favoring a more unedited adventure that lets us include more topics as we get together once a month to vent and celebrate everything going on in the gaming industry today and yesteryear. So if you like the idea of arguing with us, though we'll never be able to hear you, then you definitely want to check out GamerCast. Season 2 is really going to take it up a notch. That's GamerCast here on the PCC, the Pop Culture Cosmos, on iTunes, and on Podbean. The guys from the Super BS Gamescast are back talking the latest news in the gaming world. understand the fascination with games that are basically single player MMOs yeah um, even down to the like your pause menu is real time yeah, so, so you like, can't pause yeah, yeah I don't understand like, that. I mean I, it's whatever I just I don't get it yeah. like um, it's cool it looks cool the camera's not great the combat is pretty fun but I think what might end up kill me for this game very early on from continuing is one, I actually do really want to play Fire Emblem. Just yeah. the copy of Explorers was so cheap and I have a collection of Final Fantasy related goods that I like to add to every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just, there's no like, there doesn't seem to be progression. If there is, I haven't yeah. unlocked it. So It's probably just you equipment. Don't, I, there's no level up. Yeah. Leveling up that I've encountered so far, and there's no job levels, which is the real disappointment. Oh, yeah, because oh. that's what I love. Like one of my favorite things in most Final Fantasy games is job levels, where it's like, oh, you like mastered this and this, and then you unlock this. Yeah, and so I think you just unlock jobs through by doing quests or something. So. And I think it's a pure gear game, just like Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter yeah. and a bunch which, of other games, which is they get old. For me. I mean, yeah, it is. The aesthetics of it are fun. It's kind of Final Fantasy um, s- sweet music so far. Yeah, um, I think it was also made by like a weird team too. Sure, I, I don't think it was like the you know the main Square Enix RPG team. Yeah, um, it's not. It's certainly not bad. I think what I wish it was because it's like a hub town game as well. Oh, okay, so you what I wish it was is one of the most underrated like loot RPGs of all time for the Fantasy DS. Oh. Is uh, Blue Dragon. Oh, yeah, it looked really cool. Uh, I wish they'd remake those games and put them on, like, consoles, or at least remake them and put them on handhelds. Because Blue Dragon itself is a a great game, super fun, super wacky, super chrono-triggery, with the art style and the music and all that kind of stuff, and the weird, kind of, like, technology versus rural society is, like, is kind of chrono-triggery as well. Um, The fighting could have been a little more fast-paced, but... Blue Dragon's a great game, but the sequels for it, the strategy game on DS, and then the Awakened Shadow is like a hub town, like RPG, like you gra- you you go down, like delve down into a dungeon. Blue Dragon has such a cool world because it's like medieval, but 
yeah. technological at the same time. Yeah. Steampunk. But in a very in a very unique way. Yeah. It's not like traditional so it's steampunk. Not, like, yeah. I don't know if it could be steampunk because it's no. not really steam. It's like actual like robots and computers. Oh, okay. Like, so kind of like the like, last age of Chrono well, Trigger or whatever. I guess Dragon Ball would be the closest thing. I well, that's what it looks like because the, the, the artist. Akira, yeah. Toyo, whatever. Definitely things. similar. Yeah. yeah. But it's... um. That was a fun game. Super addicting. Um, I wish that that series got more attention. It was made by a company that doesn't make games anymore. <laughs> no, nah, they made Terabyte, which is pretty great. But it, yeah. it's time for them to make something new. Do something new. Well, they're um, making their money off that. Terabyte was definitely the most, one of the more compelling iOS games I've ever played. Yeah. And they, I think the reason for that is because they actually built a game that was not like, how can we fit a style that people like on a phone so that they'll buy it? It's more like, what can we do with a phone and build a game based on that? So it's like a game system that works on your phone. Like, it's like it's not like playing an RPG or a platformer. It's like, people like platformers. We'll put that on the phone, even though it yeah. sucks. Like, it's not that. So it's pretty cool. But, <sighs> digressing. Final Fantasy Explorers. Um, I'd give it a soft pass. Yeah, a soft pass. Yeah. Or, yeah, because I guess it's as low as it's going to go price-wise. But, uh, <laughs> What, uh, what have you been playing, Jay? Uh, so I finished Zelda. Cool. And Did so, you finish that last week? I no, feel no, no, like I this was is... Getting, I was getting close to it. Oh, but I finally, I finally finished it. And what I learned about Zelda, I've been complaining. I'm like, this game's hard. But what I... what I, Going back and fighting Ganon, like, on my second try, I, I was realized that the game's not hard. It's just you need to figure out how to beat the bosses, and then it yeah. becomes easy. And a lot of the bosses aren't that hard. You Probably the hardest boss is the one in the camel. I, I don't want to, like, talk too much about it, uh, yeah. but it's... Most of the bosses aren't that yeah, they're, bad. They're though. pretty easy. As soon as I, you see their weak point, it's like as, boom. As soon as you figure out how to do it, then it, you just go back on your second try, assuming you die, and it's just there. Overall, what did you think of the game? Oh, I loved it. It's a great game. It's, it's really long. Cool. My only complaint is that you literally have to do the side quests and all the other stuff in order you to. You mean play. the shrines? The shrine. But I yeah. mean, like, you have to do the stuff as far as, like, awakening the fairy fountains and doing the, the armor upgrades. People, I mean, people have beat it, obviously, without doing that stuff. But yeah, if you're just an average Joe and, playing, yeah, you probably yeah. need to do that stuff. But in it's, order most to of it's fun. Play the game country, but it's yeah. fun, yeah. And it's a beautiful looking game. So yeah, I, I, I really hope that they. I do, I would in the future like to see a game where Link, uh, I don't know, has a little deeper, like, story arc. Oh, I don't think you'll ever see that. I just don't think that's the point of Zelda, isn't to have like Link have this really in-depth story. But I mean, that would yeah. just that would make it more satisfying to me. I, I guess I think that whole game is just about like the enjoyment of like you know exploring and yeah. adventuring, and that's that's Zelda. But anything else you've been playing? Uh, I did. Uh, I, I downloaded Legend of Tomb Raider because it was free, or Rise of the Tomb Raider. The Rise of the Tomb Raider, or not free? No, no, no. One of the. Uh, what are the like the? Top oh, you're down? talking about uh, Temple of Osiris, is that the Xbox Skull game. Of the no, no, because no, I, I had downloaded Tomb Raider was free, the new, the latest one. No, it's the not. First one. No, not right now, but it was free a while ago, and I downloaded it. Not the newest one. Uh, Tomb Raider. What was the one that you liked a lot? Just uh, Tomb Raider. It's called Tomb Raider. The, the reboot. Of, I thought it was the, Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's the sequel. Yeah. What's no, the no, What's no, the reboot the called? One. Just Tomb Raider. Yeah. Okay, so Tomb Raider. All right. Well, I, I played it, and yeah, that's awesome. It's a great game. Everyone kept comparing it to Uncharted, so I it was is like, very similar to Uncharted. You don't think so? I, I, it, there's more options. Like Uncharted is very linear. Yeah. No. No. It's definitely more. There are more places to go. Yeah. It's an adventure game. It's almost has yeah. like you know I, the the term that everyone uses, Metroidvania. You unlock much stuff. And yeah. You go through. 
It yeah, was, yeah it's, Tomb Raider was. I thought it was fantastic. It's fun. Yeah, I hundred percent of that game. It, yeah. and you guys both need to play the new one. It's again, really it really good. Again, it it's, it like reaffirmed my lack of desire to ever play an Assassin's Creed game again. Like, yeah. it felt like it had all of the bits of a Ubisoft game, like of exploring a map, but it was fun. Yeah, yeah. it was like tense. Wasn't annoying plot wise. Trace, what we got to talk about some Ubisoft or Ubisoft games today because they had a bunch of leaks. Um, But yeah, anything else you played for? Uh, No, that's it. I have not played a ton of stuff. I did delve back into Rogue Legacy. I know uh, Dank and I have been playing. Have you ever tried it? No. It is an awesome indie game. I actually just decided, like, I totally maxed out all my skill tree, bought everything with my main character, and then I just decided. I'm gonna make another character, so I've been doing that, and it's just like such a fun game. Fun. I love that game. I it's so good. Heck out of it back in the day. So. I am. I'm at the end of Prey, so I probably will beat it this week. I just didn't have too much time, and I played like a match or two of Mario Kart. Did not play Persona Five, so I've been kind of like lacking on the games front. I'm still waiting for something really cool to come to the Switch. Because I want to play it. Something we already that, talked about the bummer of Mario Kart Switch. Yeah, right? not having unlocks. That to yeah. me is like, I just don't want to play it single player. Because yeah. like, unless, I mean, you unlock parts, but that's like the most boring unlock. Like Unlocking levels and characters is yeah. the best. At least they didn't take away the trophies for the maps. Like, otherwise I wouldn't even so play what GP, do you get? You know, like, what do you get for playing the game? Like, what's nothing. The, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, you, get, you can get cart unlocks, which just allow you to do different, like, you know... Can, is it because I remember in like um, but the, the unlike original, the characters like the Mario stages. Kart the original Mario Kart and like Diddy Kong Racing or whatever they had would have like you couldn't go on to the next race until you beat the one before well Diddy Kong Racing was totally awesome and dynamic in that game like you were in an open world and then you went to the different play- did you ever play that? Oh, I that, played that game that game is so awesome fun. that was the they first reboot the first time series. as a kid when I was a little kid, I used to get headaches from playing video games too much. Yeah, because the... And that was the game that first started stuff. that for me. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I got that from Metroid Prime. I think it has to do with, like, frame rate and stuff like that. Maybe. I've heard, like... And also, you know, there's something that your eyes get used to the yeah. 3D and stuff, but... Diddy Kong Racing was awesome, because, yeah. like, I had it. And the original Mario Kart was great, too. Or Mario Kart 64 and the original one, because, like... I don't think in the original one you unlocked anything, but in the most more recent versions, you you can unlock normally up to 12 characters. In this one, the unlocks would have been something like twenty-four characters, but they just took that out and had yeah, it, it would have been great. It's it's just fun, especially because I I don't really read into a ton of news on a game like Mario Kart because yeah. I know I'm gonna buy it. And yeah, play it. so why it's cool? Death. Like whoa! This so it's like it's fun. It's fun to be surprised by what's in it. That's the Super BS Gamescast available this week on all Humanican Media outlets. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos in a little bit more controlled environment as we go... Where do we, where do we go, Josh? Maybe a nice solid 10 miles an hour right here on the 405 freeway? Yeah, it's the uh, Southern California parking lot. Indeed it is. Uh, it's Gerald Glassford once again from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend. He's the CEO of Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. And Josh, before we get into what we've seen today, which is a lot here at E3, 
uh, as we're leaving it now. Uh, tell me your thoughts in regards to some of the things leading up to E3 2017 as far as the, the press conferences and some of the games that you're really thinking about getting into as they come out, fall or spring, stuff like that. Um, it's weird because I went into E3 with all these expectations of what I wanted to see and I didn't really see a lot of the stuff that I was hoping would be there. So I got, um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm looking forward to Gears of War, Uncharted, um, but I think honestly, like I, I was over Assassin's Creed, but then I saw the trailer and the gameplay and I'm pretty excited about it. Like it, it just, it, yeah, it looks, um, you know, it looks like it was worth them taking the year off to bring us this product. Well, I know I had some issues myself in regards to some of the developers that were out there uh, that, or the publishers, I should say, that, that really were maybe losing some favor with the fans. And I think primarily what I was focusing on was Ubi, uh, Ubisoft. Yeah. Because Ubisoft, after some debacles with the Assassin's Creed series and I guess the crew not doing very well uh, from a from a personal standpoint and also as well maybe not doing so well from a critical standpoint and then also you've got uh, the Tom Clancy game some of the Tom the division and Ghost Recon Wildlands maybe not keeping that that community maybe as strong as, as I was hoping it would be and for honor maybe not exactly capturing the, the fans in, uh, you know imagination as well I was thinking that maybe they were going to kind of lose their status as an upper echelon, an upper tier publisher and developer, developing team and whatnot. But you know what? They, I think they hit a home run when it came to all the different announcements, starting with Beyond Beyond Good and Evil 2. Obviously, that, that's yeah, something that was, that... that was a complete surprise. Yeah, a lot of people were very, uh, very uh, happy to see that. And all the different games, but a lot of new IPs that I think could really gain a foothold again for Ubisoft within the gaming industry. Because I think that's what I took away from most, was that there are a lot of IPs that can, that they're trying to go and put out there that really gamers can look forward to coming up in the future. Right, right. And um, I, see, let me ask you this. The, what was the Skull and Bones? What, what do you think of that? Like, I've been wanting to ask you this. That's a pirate, that's the pirate warship game that was announced by them, correct? Correct. Well, I have a feeling that's going to I would say it's a condensed version, but it looks like it's going to be, you know, from obviously the the Assassin's Creed where they went out. It you, looks you, just yeah. like that. Yeah. It, literally. So they're, they're lifting that segment and creating a life of its own within their, you know, it's like a self-contained uh, game uh, within the game without doing all the other exploration and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to that i know people are, are trying to scratch that itch with the sea of thieves when that, when that comes out i guess in, in uh i guess it was delayed to 2018 so um, i think that's going to scratch an itch for a lot of people there but i definitely think overall ubisoft just by announcing that they've got a lot of new things in development outside of just the far cries out of just the the assassin's creeds uh, i think it shows a lot of promise as well right yeah. All right, getting back to our conversation here. So I think Ubisoft's what they've got a lot of titles showing a lot of promise uh, as far as you know what's coming up in the future for gamers. What do you think? Yeah, I mean it, they definitely showed us some things we weren't expecting, and um, 
they prove to everyone that they do have some life left in them that doesn't have to do with Assassin's Creed and Far Cry and Rainbow Six and, Rainbow and anything Six. Tom we didn't Tom see Clancy. any Tom Clancy game yeah there was nothing there so I mean that's I, I personally don't play them much everyone's like saying show us a new Splinter Cell but I I don't think people want a new Splinter Cell as much as it's as much as we believe well another uh publisher that really came out with some strong stuff was EA. I really think uh, they did okay. There was some, some good stuff there. Uh, what did you like about basically what EA is, is presenting out there to consumers? Um, if, uh, you know, coming off the mishap known as Mass Effect. I don't know. Like, I'm, I would have... I'm kind of still partial towards Mass Effect. I would have liked to see some story DLC uh, of you know, had them at least talked about it, but they're talking, but, you know, Anthem, I'm not too excited about Anthem. Everyone, like, it looks great, but that's just a video, and, like, the gameplay we saw looks good, too, but I, I'm not too thrilled about it. I, I'm not sold on it yet. If I can't, if it's if it's going to be just Destiny, a mixture of Destiny, but Titanfall-ish, I'm, I'm not sold on it. I, I want to know more about it. I also uh, had some, some reservations uh, on getting into... Uh, Anthem, which is the new Bioware game, uh, I was kind of every. I was watching Anthem, and I was thinking to myself, you know what? This is the kind of love that Mass Effect Andromeda deserved, and and just didn't get. So, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I think EA has some got some good stuff coming on. I do like the fact that uh, there that Star Wars Battlefront Two looks really sweet. I just. Uh, we, we were trying to get our hands on playing, but there was like hours and hours waiting so, uh, involved. So. Uh, I don't think we could uh, get our hands on it quite as of yet. We're going to have to wait for the beta like everybody else. Um, uh, but I, as for, speaking of which, obviously one of the places where you're going to be able to play it is on the Sony PlayStation. So tell me what you thought about the Sony press conference. Was it enough to, to keep the interest on, and level high on, on what you know the, is right now the current leader in the generation? Or do you think they needed a lot to do a lot more? I don't know. see with Sony it's weird because like their their stuff looks beautiful but they didn't really give specific release dates for it, anything really it's like they said 2018 you know sometime whereas uh, Microsoft and Bethesda did well by saying hey you can expect this in October you can expect this in November you can expect this in December so it's um, Sony had a lot of really beautiful games uh, state stated stated decay was that yeah stated decay no um, actually no stated decay no, two is for Xbox no no was it was there a zombie game. Oh, Gone Home. Gone Home. That looks that looks really good, and Spider Man looks good. Yes. Most of their stuff looks good, but again, like I want release dates, like because um, you know the zombie one they showed us last last year. And we still Gone Home. We still don't know when that's coming out, and it's I want release dates. I don't want to have like I don't want to say hey this looks good and then not be able to play it for two or three years. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. Every Monday night. 10:30 p.m. Eastern, 7:30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. Yeah, obviously would have liked as as you mentioned earlier before the broadcast wanted to see if we can get a hold of, of you know our hands on 
uh, Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, and that would have been nice to, to actually get a, a taste of that, uh, other than what, what was being shown behind closed doors. Uh, but some good things coming to Sony, but I wasn't think I didn't see any of the, the outside of the new God of War game, but any real uh, uh, thing, anything that would move the needle or, or just change the tune for anybody that's like really not into the PlayStation system right now. So I'm hoping for some bigger things to need. And someone else like that as well, a publisher known uh, for that just released its its information on its upcoming super mega console and that's xbox with its information on the xbox one x which was nice it's a souped up uh, almost like computer as far as what it can do as far as the power it has but with all that comes a hefty price and 499 do you think it's worth it for what you're going to get um we'll have to see honestly like the, the 4k yeah it's cool but it's only cool if you have a 4k television and um you know, 4K movies or what, whatever, you have to, um, because basically if you buy it just as a console, it's a waste of money because you're not going to be utilizing what it was made for. And I think it's been noted that they were, had a lack of titles that, that really are going to stand out because they don't have that third tentpole game to stand behind. And don't give me Forza Horizon or Forza Motorsport as that, that tentpole because I, I just see... The Forza games do sell well, but they don't sell enough to really move the needle in any direction for for, for Microsoft. I think uh, you know they need something beyond a Gears game and beyond a Halo game, uh, and and Crackdown, which is supposed to be released almost day and date to the release of Xbox One X. Uh, I just don't think that's going to do it. I saw it; it looked nice, cell shaded, everything you know it looks decent on it, destructible environments, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that that real killer app that they're that they sorely need at this point in time what are your thoughts right and that's do they they still do they give us a release date on that yeah that's going to come out i think uh the friday a couple days friday before or a couple days before the xbox one x gets released uh, because there's going to be a uh, you know the enhanced version of it so you can upgrade to the uh the xbox one x version or just, you know, it's going to be released also that that's, it will be able to be played on by uh, anyone who owns an Xbox One. Right, and see, Crackdown's fun, but it's not like, you know, usually around holidays they have like a Halo or a Gears of War, I know we are just talking about that, but Crackdown is not a filler. It's not a good, um, it's not a good game to fill that, that void that where there's no Halo or Gears or something like that. Like, And what surprised me from Microsoft was that there wasn't, they didn't really. Did they announce any new IPs? Not really of any large nature. Uh, they had some, you know, they had uh, sequels to Ori in the Blind Forest and some yeah. other smaller stuff. Cuphead finally got a release date, okay. which I know, uh, I know Douglas and myself were really looking forward to. But that's obviously not going to be very much more than a just a you know basic downloadable game. So um, I don't know. I, I just. There was nothing really that that was huge. That was that the yeah. big that the need for another uh, AAA game from them was just it's not going to be found what at this point me, this time at this point in time, anyways. Yeah, and what worries me is that they because I, originally I went in thinking that I'm like there's going to be I was talking to uh, Eric of Super Super Bro Station about this and like we were saying that there's not there's the worry was going to be that there wasn't going to be enough like indie games showcased. There are going to be too many. Uh, you know, triple A titles, but what happened was there are too many indie games and not enough triple A titles. 
And I was still expecting to see Borderlands, that just surprises me that they didn't show any of that, so maybe at GamesCon, I don't know, but uh, I wanted a little bit more out of Microsoft, I wasn't too thrilled with what they presented. Now how about Nintendo? Now obviously right now Nintendo Switch is the hot piece on the market, um, obviously with Zelda that's out there, ARMS just got released, but we got a chance to see Super Mario Odyssey and, and get a lot of great announcements from Nintendo. What were your thoughts when you actually saw Super Mario Odyssey in action on the show floor and then your thoughts about Nintendo and what they did as a whole with, with you know, all the announcements they made, uh, you know, including a new Metroid, Fire Emblem, all the, uh, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles finally getting, you know, a release window and all that. I went into, originally I was I was expecting to be disappointed by Nintendo, but that was surprisingly pleasant that they offered that, so I'm, I'm excited, I, you know, I'm looking forward to dusting the old Switch off again. It's going to be a, a great game. Well, I think uh, Super Mario Odyssey is, almost makes me want to buy a Switch, uh, indeed, so definitely something to look forward to there, and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of promise coming to, to as far as... The Nintendo Switch is concerned. I know a lot of people have high hopes for it, and a lot of Nintendo fans are excited about the uh, the Switch indeed. Um, I guess we talked a little bit briefly about Bethesda. A new Wolfenstein game was announced, so definitely looking forward to that. What were your thoughts on, on and also Evil Within 2, what were your thoughts on Bethesda as a whole? Um, there, I, I wasn't like, I was, so it's weird because I was expecting, there's stuff I was expecting from them, but... What I did, what I was satisfied with what they did was give me uh, release dates. You know, when I can expect this around this time. The uh, idea of being able to play as Link in Skyrim was pretty cool. The um, It's weird though because, you know, we're going to probably have Skyrim on like 10, 10 different versions of on every console before we're finally going to see something from Elder Scrolls 6. So I, I hope they're working on that. You know, obviously we got more Fallout stuff, Fallout VR. They're, they're doing something interesting with their games is they're taking the, their popular properties and they're putting them into VR and, and that's you know that's an interesting concept to me so what whether it'll play out without any bugs like Prey had we'll just have to wait and see but um, yeah and, and as for their uh, I guess everyone's expecting new IPs under because they had that map and it had showed what's under construction at Bethesda land and they had the map and um, you know the it, we didn't get new IPs we got sequels but uh, they, they don't look that bad indeed. Um, I, I know that uh, there's a lot of hope for Bethesda fans. And like I said, the new Wolfenstein game is it's going to be a lot of fun for me to play. Okay, looking forward to that as well. Um, and then we got to the show floor today. I finally got arrived into the show floor earlier this morning. And uh, your thoughts on the E3, uh, your first E3 that you actually got a chance to visit and I know you had some decidedly different opinions than than what has been in the past in regards to some changes that were made. Yeah, it was super crowded. I liked it. It's fun. You know, I don't regret going. But it was, it's just we got packed into certain like hallways, and it, it took us forever to move through them. Uh, for the small amount of space, sometimes these halls have. It's very hard when you have. PlayStation and, and Nintendo right together and then you also have Xbox and Activision and uh, you have uh, the majors right pinned right next to each other in both halls so those seem to be way too concentrated and I think that's what happened with as far as the way everything was worked out because you have that influx of uh, 15,000 extra people coming to the show and then you have oh my gosh 
those those areas they need to more learn how to allocate those, those spots differently so that the traffic flow uh, gets gets flowed a lot better right and it was um yeah, because it's just, and especially like the way some of their booths were set up, like they had it so people are lingering like in these walkways trying to watch these people play. I did it myself while I was filming stuff. By the way, you could watch our footage here coming up on uh, Pop Culture Cosmos and Humanican Media's YouTube page. Absolutely, and then I'll maybe throwing that on Retro City Games' Facebook page as well. Correct. But, uh, you know, it, it was it was fun. I wish that there would have been some more perks as far as, like, uh, press goes because we pretty much, with the exception of the behind-closed-doors interviews we got, uh, it was pretty much the same as, you know, being a regular Joe. It was nice to see, though, uh, a Mixer, which was Xbox One's, uh, or actually, I'm sorry, Microsoft's new streaming service. Uh, get a little bit more publicity. Obviously, they want to incorporate it into the gaming market and the gaming medium. Uh, we even actually got a chance to talk to these, you know, the, the guy who helped create Mixer, which was kind of nice indeed. Yeah, he was he was a super nice guy. But it, it sounds like Mix. Well, I'm already impressed with Mixer because I don't know if you guys are watching Sony's press conference, but they their stream job was just terrible it was awful it the sound was cutting in and out there wasn't any sound for the first 10 minutes of it uh i know the guys over i was listening to the commentary from the guys over at giant bomb podcast and they they had some pretty funny things to say about it but yeah and then mixer got on there and it's just it's flawless so i'm i'm already impressed and just some of the stuff they're showing us where people in chat rooms were controlling those robots that they had like that's that's impressive. So, uh, and he was talking about the delay being like only like a quarter of a, of a yeah. you know, like a quarter millisecond. It's just like, my gosh, that's amazing. As opposed to, you know, uh, uh, other competitors that that are quite a bit longer. So it's definitely as we uh, almost get hit by this uh, nice Volkswagen Jetta. Yeah, that's one thing. No, exactly. So, um, I, I just saw I saw some good things out on the floor. It's just like you said, it's just hard to navigate through the. Uh, show floor being even more crowded than normal uh but behind closed doors we got to see some great things from maximum games and then also from uh i believe it's ui interactive uh, with nascar heat 2 uh, what were your thoughts on nascar heat 2 when we got to take a look at it in a little bit more detail nascar to me nascar games are like assassin's creed games you basically and i'm not talking bad about origins or anything but you basically do the same things over and over again and it's just there's nothing really to like look at there's nothing visually stunning the game looked cool uh, i guess it just i mean it looks good compared to what nascar heat the old nascar heat games and nascar thunder and all that um but yeah i'm, I'm curious i I've, i want to see them bring something to it that makes it more than just driving around a track because i remember playing those games as a kid and i got kind of bored of them um yeah, maybe if you have a multi, they have the multiplayer aspect right there, talking 40, 42 players at once. So that's 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 cool. I'm I'm, if, if anything's going to sell me on that game, it's that it's going to be seeing that transpire. Well, even that, if it's just you know a small uh, multiplayer community where they were unsure if they were going to release this information, but now let's say it's just you and I and a few other people, and they're not able to fill out a forty-person field. I could go and if I'm the host. I can actually go ahead and select up to 40 different cars, uh, so at least with AI, so at least you're challenged enough to go ahead and make sure that you're able to, to complete the race, and it's not going to be like a field of only like 10 or 12 cars. Right. 
Do you know when I so when I was younger, I used to play I think NASCAR, yeah NASCAR Thunder. That was on um, PlayStation One. I'd have that little like a uh, bar or whatever it was that lets you plug in four controllers, and I'd get on there and play with like my brother and a couple friends, and then you'd always have somebody that went backwards just decide to wreck you as you're going around the track. I hear you. Um, but yeah, I just like, they should have, if they have little fun like game modes where you can do silly things like that, maybe a cat and mouse mode, like that would be, that'd be fun. I, I want, if it's not really going to sell me to it, like it has to have more than just the going around the, uh, the track over and over again. So any last thoughts as we're uh, heading on the road here at an amazing 10 miles an hour? Oh, I'm sorry, 7 miles an hour. <laughs> um, uh, you know, as far as your thoughts on your initial E3 and then E3 overall? I, it was fun. I, I, was, um, I wasn't quite sure what to expect when we got there. So it kind of reminded me of Comic-Con. You know, just a lot of booths set up. I wish there were more, like, uh, merchandisers because that PlayStation store took, like, an hour to get into. But, uh, you know, overall, I'm... I don't want to say I'm disappointed, but not not with E3 actually going to it, but the, the press conferences. There's there's just a lot that I wanted to see that they didn't offer. And I, I know I would assume that they're working on a lot of these titles, but at the same time, it's like at least let us know that they that they exist. You know. I I agree with you. And outside of Ubisoft, uh, there were some some small hits and uh, games I really 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 wanted to know more about. But um, for the most part, they were scattered and few and far between outside of the Ubisoft realm. So I'm definitely uh, thinking that maybe uh, you know maybe it's like an off year for E3 and looking for more and better things down the road with it when it comes to the video game industry. But uh, I'm excited uh, for some other things that would like, you know, the, hopefully the stuff we get a chance to try. And, and you know, there's some you know, Battlefront 2. Look, give me Battlefront 2. I'm going to be satisfied indeed. What I was Battlefront 2, I will say I wish they would have shown us the story, show us, showed us that, shown us some footage from that. It was multiple. They, they seem to be more focused on the multiplayer than anything else. Well, I know what they they want to interact with people there and get it, that interaction going and, and, and also get a lot of testing feedback. So I know they go at, obviously the multiplayer is a big factor there. But on the trailers, they showed a little bit of that, that story arc that you might be going through. Uh, when you're playing as a member of the of you know of of the Empire, so I'm definitely looking forward to Star Star Wars Battlefront 2. Indeed, if you have any thoughts out there as far on E3 or some of the games that you you were interested in or some of the games you'd like us to talk about on the air that were shown at E3, just reach out to us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, his site, Humanican Media on Facebook and Twitter or GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. So many options. So many options indeed. Uh, we truly appreciate everyone being part of the broadcast that's listening out there. We truly appreciate your time in doing so as we head home from another another trek to E3 2017. If you and by any chance don't get to, to listen to our, our, our first-run shows on the Podcast Radio Network, where we are thankfully, because of you out there, number one, four months in a row with the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, and number seven with the PCC Multiverse. We truly appreciate you taking the time to listen. You can always catch our downloads at any point in time on our any one, numerous one of our Pop Culture Cosmos channels. Our, our Pop Culture Cosmos channels can be found on iTunes, Mixcloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Google Play, 
podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network, Ace Podcast Network, and Ace Podcast Network. I love to say that like that. And Overcast.fm. So there's a lot of great options for you out there. And then when you do download one of our shows on Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse, on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, we always will try to throw in an extra podcast on top of that. Could be one of his from Humanican Media, could be a Rob McCallum Films, could be a Wine, Women, and Words, could be an old game source uh, retro podcast, it could be uh, you know any one number of podcasts indeed, but definitely try to make sure that you get two for the price of one, and it's free, so why not do that? That's a great price indeed. So I think that's going to do it for, for us this time. Uh, uh, Josh, I just appreciate you going with me to E3 2017 as we head on home. We're, we're a little bit fatigued. We're a little bit uh, worn out, battling the crowds literally and figuratively. Literally, yes. Literally, yes, indeed. But uh, definitely looking forward to, to hearing more in the upcoming days about all the great games that, that we got to see and we got to hear about at this year's E3. So for Josh Peterson... He's Gerald Glassford. This is Gerald Glassford. And it's another beautiful day here in the pop culture cosmos and PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to episode 7 of What About This? Um, The topic for this week is shame. This topic came about because I'm about to be a father in about six months or so. Uh, Countdown is on and I'm kind of terrified. And that's an understatement. Um, and so I, I wanted to, I was starting to think about how I'd wanted to raise my kid. And um, I, I just recognized that a lot of how parenting comes about is through shame. And so we use this as a jumping off point to get into where shame comes from and what shame is about and why shame exists. So we, we hit on some topics, um, some things like embarrassment and, and how we feel um, and how we project that onto other people, um, how shame is really kind of the opposite of vulnerability and courage and how we want to, to, to look at how we can use vulnerability and courage to sort of help people in their shame. We, we ultimately kind of get back to this, this notion that we think shame comes from some of the early Genesis accounts, like Genesis in like Genesis 3, and we talk about that a little bit, but then Ryan takes us back a little bit further and sees how that's not the starting point. The starting point is the first couple chapters of Genesis and how we need to understand the truth of what those chapters say about how we are um, how God looked at us and saw us as good, and then we move forward from there, and how that can help us under, uh, overcome shame. Um, 
we also look at how ultimately shame is just about kind of feeling comfortable in your own skin, not having a, a uh, too high of a health, a health uh, self-esteem or too low of a self-esteem, which is sort of a proper understanding of who you are. Um, and that we want to be able to, can, to cultivate environments where people can be not who other people want them to be, but who um, they're, they're supposed to be um, and who, who their true self needs to be. So um, we're really excited about this episode. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, follow us on all, all the various social media outlets. So like, I think we're at WAT underscore podcast on Twitter. Follow us and like our page on Facebook. Um, and then also follow Humanity Media because they, they, they post all of our stuff as well. So again, we'd love to be in conversation with you all. So uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. Today we're going to talk about shame, and we're going to talk about it in, in a couple different ways. Um, the way that I, I've been thinking about this, because um, I'm going to be a new dad in October, Amen. and I've been thinking about how I want to parent, and I've been thinking about how we as a society tend to parent, and, and I'll, I'll use one sort of example, and, and I'm sure everybody's either experienced this or something like this, um, So, and I forget where I hear this, I heard this, so if it's your story... <coughs> And you know, you heard it. I heard it from you. I apologize. Um, but so it's a it's a father, and his son is just getting to that age where he's starting to realize that his body is different, right? So he has a penis, right? So mm-hmm. and he's starting to explore. It, and little boys, they do they, just because they they don't know any better. And so the little boy starts to sort of explore, play with his himself, and the father slapped the kid's hand away from his 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 private area and yelled yelled no in the kid's face so just slap no like a like a dog right and and i'm just thinking in my head like immediate complex that kid is never going to have a healthy relationship with his penis ever again yes because because it's just (laughs) he's just going to be ashamed of it the rest of his life (laughs) so my question is like that and that's and that's just one example we do it all the time where a lot of our parenting is based in shame and i'm not blaming parents i think it's natural i think there's a lot of stuff that we need to talk about but that's sort of what I wanted to talk about is why do we use shame to, to sort of raise, and, and again, for my own life, I, there are various moments I can think back and realize that part of the shame I have as an adult comes from these specific well, moments. And, and, it's, and I'm not blaming anything. And to make like a anybody. disclaimer is, is there, there's no blaming going on as much as explaining going right, on. Right, exactly. And so in that story, the moment that happened, he introduced shame into his son. Right. From the most important voice with his mother, right? Mm-hmm. The most important voices mm-hmm. in his life, in which he's learning, he's figuring out how to be human. And so, so in that moment, he introduces shame into his son's life before anything else, because there's gonna be enough shame outside of the home. 
<laughs> and he just goes, inside of here, be ashamed. Well, but even, I would say like, maybe even say it was in the public, so I'm, I'm putting myself in the situation, same in the grocery store, if I have a boy, I don't know yet. Um, but I have a boy, and, and my, my little son just drops his pants and starts playing with himself. Like, I might do that because I'm going to be so embarrassed that that's happening in mm. public. My son doesn't. My son wouldn't know any better because he doesn't get the social like yeah. convention of not playing with yourself in public. But me as the parent, I'm going to be so embarrassed and shamed my, ashamed of myself that I'm going to do that. So I'm not even saying I would be better than that. I'm which just is, saying like that's mm, which what is, about where that, is that? Which, which yeah. is where does that come from? Which is which we just is, got to another step here. Yeah. So we go. We keep going, yeah. and it goes back to not blaming our parents or parenting as much as generations of. Be- Parents being taught by parents, being taught by right. parents, and mm-hmm. passing down, is, and this shame culture continues to perpetuate. Is it a subconscious thing though, or is it something that we actually witness our parents doing, and then we're like, okay, that I think be the proper way to I, do it. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think what we're getting at here is um, that, and parenting is just a simple example. This happens yeah. in, in every uh, social interaction, but, it's almost like wounded people wound people, mm-hmm. right? So, so people who have shame, a lot of shame that they're carrying around, which is all of us to an extent, yes, uh, project that shame on, onto other people. So the, the parenting style of, of yeah. shame just mm-hmm. shows what that that you've got your own shame things that right exactly. Out, right? Well, I'm gonna I, and I'm gonna definitely be uh, poorly quoting Brene Brown this whole <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Perfect. But to answer Josh's question is. Actually, the research shows that we we learn shame from our parents. And so as we're learning to be human growing up from the time we uh, exit the womb, if you will, is when we see our parents shaming themselves, mm. we are learning how to see ourselves the way they see themselves. Mm. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so she would say, is yes we do live in a shame-based culture we all deal with shame but like ryan said it's not just in the home it's in the classroom it's on the field it's mm. it's 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 everywhere it's i mean you, uh, everyone's had that that teacher <clears throat> that when they say like there's no wrong answers or feel free and then you say it and they condescendingly rebuttal right you have those teachers i can't stand those teachers the teachers that that they you actually feel safe you, you, you feel free to be yeah. vulnerable in yeah. the classroom, right. but you're already, at especially, you know, there's a difference between a first grade classroom and, right. a, and, a, and a classroom in college. Right. And you have all these insecure people walking around because they're so afraid, and there's a fear element here with the shame. I'm afraid in, in the right. grocery store to see my kid drop his pants and what are people gonna think of me? Right. Once again, we're worried, yeah. we're consumed with, how will I be presented to the public? What kind of parent has a child who would drop his pants? Every parent does yeah. who has a four-year-old because they're going, woo you know, and they don't, they don't <laughs> care because yeah. they're, they're not socially aware. Right. And so we have these crazy expectations mm-hmm. on children in which they're just the victims. Yeah. They're the victims in our insecure society. Right. And so, yeah. so you get it, you get in the classroom and the kid goes, all right, all right, I'm going to be vulnerable. Meaning I'm going to be, as Brene Brown says, there's no such thing as vulnerability without courage. And in any example of courage, you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. And she, she speaks to um, uh, a military and a courageous act always is always has the layer of vulnerability. You're exposing yourself. 
You're putting yourself out there. Think about think about the shame of going and asking someone to asking someone to a dance or to, to coffee or a slice of pie if you grew up in the 50s, right? Is <laughs> man, you are you're putting yourself out there, and then when you get rejected, you mm-hmm. feel less than, though you shouldn't feel less than. There you we just, go. So so where the question is, no one would disagree that shame is present everywhere. Even even as we talk about this topic, there's like a shame about talking about shame <laughs> yeah, involved, right. right? So the question is, and Trav, you're getting to it, is like why? Where where did this shame? Right. If 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 we can trace it back, like why is our culture so? Um, why does everyone feel so ashamed all the time of, of, mm-hmm. about everything that's going on? So I think that's that's kind of our starting point. Which is why we're today. constantly performing, right? Right. Yes, yes. So the, those performance are just a symptom of feeling ashamed. Right. So my question is, where does that shame come from? Yeah, I, well, I mean, if, if we, <laughs> I guess I'll just go there, is if we're going to go from the Christian worldview, mm-hmm. yeah. we go the shame of... Of hide right the secret Adam, right yeah, yeah. yeah. the whole the, the garden the fallenness and ever since then we have been what hiding behind our right. mistakes yeah right. hiding behind the lack of what we perceive as perfection and so yeah. perfectionism is illusory well, it's it's yeah. you can't not you cannot achieve that yeah. and so even the person that is suffering from perfectionism is what are they doing they are trying to build a wall or a you know a facade and so that you cannot see mm-hmm. the truth about who they are because they're afraid of who they are yeah and and she would even argue that um, we actually are the biggest shamers in our own lives yeah right I, I would wonder even in the so i think in the if you're looking at the genesis account we would obviously point to the moment where um, adam and eve recognize their nakedness right and they yeah. start to cover themselves up but i wonder if you would even push it back one step further to where the deceiver, the serpent, says, "You don't know enough." Right. That's this good. this tree represents what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And Eve and Adam standing right next to her, like, "I don't. Like, I don't know enough." Like, what is that? And then that so pride. so That's this pride. Yeah. it's this pride. It's this idea of I think there's something that 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 we believe. We start to believe this lie about ourselves, and we take that lie to be true. So it's not even that we um, we. Okay, so keep going with that. We take yeah. that lie to be true, therefore right. what do we do? So we so if we're gonna believe the lie, we will do anything to circumvent the lie. Yes. yes. Right. And so yes. that's so they that's ate the they, apple, even though they knew right. that that wasn't gonna help. That wasn't really the point, right? Or well or, I mean Eric Mason said Dr. Eric Mason says this, he said, did they fully understand the gravity of the decision that they made? But that is irrelevant to your point right. of exactly. going so go back to your point, what you were saying about the I I don't I don't know right is it is this our perception like other people's perception of us that's well that was we the first time I would say if you look at it it's the first time that either mm-hmm. Adam or Eve heard like listened to a voice about themselves that was not based in truth not only a voice a lie right but right. that's oh, what yeah, I mean not that based yeah, in yeah. Truth. yeah sorry so so yeah. it's the yeah. first time so before that we don't have much account in the Genesis account right so. Meaning before that, like what their interaction with God was like. But we can imagine that they that was pretty good. It was healthy. It was God was telling them about themselves. And the minute they listened to someone else tell them who they were, that wasn't based in truth, wasn't the source of truth. Then they started to feel less than. To Ryan's point earlier, yes. And shame finds root in less than thinking. Yes. Yes. 
Yes. That's good. So, so eating the fruit. Right. Sewing the fig leaves together. Right. And then, of course, then it proceeds to, then your eyes are open to certain parts of you. Because, again, remember when God says, well, who told you that you were naked? Yeah. Right? It wasn't because he knew that they didn't know that they were naked on their own. Yes. He said, who told you? That. So going back to raising kids, who told you that? Who right. who caused? I was at a buddy's house, uh, and uh, we saw his son experience like an embarrassment and a shame. Mm. And I went, "No, you're too little. Right? <laughs> you're too yeah. like." And no one shamed him. Right? No one shamed yeah. him. And it was just this weird. So then I kind of wonder, I'm like, man, is it just in the air? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, is it just? Because yeah. in, in fact, there was only an encouragement happening. Right. And then we get put on and then it's almost like this subconscious thing right. happening. And, and, if, and if you want to even go biblical, you fast forward to Jesus and in, in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. And he's yeah. done nothing in his ministry. And in that moment, Henry Nowen um, would say, right, is at, at the subconscious level and at the conscious level, we're always asking who am I? And he says, the problem is we constantly answer that question in a wrong way. And he says, the greatest spiritual task that we, and he says, one of the most difficult thing to master is to live out of who we are, that we are enough. Yeah. That was, you just made an incredible point. So double back real quick. You're saying that, that Jesus, before he even started his ministry, right? So so before he fed all the people, before he healed mm-hmm. all the people, before yes. all of that, before he went to the cross, before all of that, the father looks at him and says, this is my son with who I am. Well, well please. please. This is my son in which you're enough simply because you exist. Yes. Therefore, he has the foundation of who he is. So he doesn't have to pose and to kind of Perform. see us Lewis, right? It's, yeah. Oh, I'm a good boy. Look at me. Look yeah. at me. And, and so you, you right. see him enter into that and it's this idea of I know who I am and if I know who I am and I'm okay with who I right. am, you cannot shame me because you cannot take away the fact that I actually matter, that my existence is enough, not my performance. Right. And so all of a sudden, the reason we perform is because we have to prove to ourselves, really, uh, and, and then therefore, if I can prove to myself and everyone, and I use you, Right. I use you, I project onto you so that I can get to my to myself and go, yes, you are enough, Travis. Yes. I, I love this because this plays into uh, really what it means to be a human. So if you're listening to this and you think uh, the Christian worldview is full of it, or even right. if you, you don't Absolutely. agree with the Adam Eve yeah. account, or whatever, everybody understands as humans that... Um, there is something inside of us that feels like they're not enough. Mm-hmm. Feels like they have to achieve a certain amount of things in order to to hit this like standard of peace or whatever, which by the way, never comes. And so right. we have to just keep adding and adding and adding. So what we're saying is the Adam and Eve account, it, it's, it's um, practical and it's good and makes a lot of sense to say, well, Maybe this is our way of explaining when human beings went from being humans that could just be mm-hmm. right with each other, with right. um, with the world, with God, with the Creator, with whoever, to oh shoot, I'm not enough, right. and so I have to do, right. do, 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 do. So, be- so, so, go ahead. Because I think a lot of people, and especially for those of the listeners out there that may struggle with the Christian faith or just may be outright against it, right? Yeah. Sure. 
what if you look at the Genesis account, the shame does not come from God, right? It comes from some internal dissonance huh. between what huh. you know to be true about yourself and what someone else has told you to be true about yes. yourself. Yes. So here's oh. what I, here's what I think is interesting is that shame so no, why do they, they accept it then, Keith? Well, but let, let me just be completely transparent about this with, from our perspective, from the Christian The church, the Christian church historically has also not been good at this, right? Okay. Yeah. Much of our modern American shame, I will even say, much of our modern American shame comes from the very strict Puritan tradition that mm. started the country, which we can get into later. I just want to say that, like, yes, let's even acknowledge that some of this does come from certain systems of power that we're used to control. Let's even acknowledge that. That's not necessarily the point, ultimately, because that they are they used a system that was already existing. They used shame in people that people had anyway, right? So we can we can talk about the abuse of shame at another point. Like well, or, the, or, the, or, the, or, the, or shame as a motivator, or, or shame as a motivator, or whatever. Like we can talk about this. But yeah. that, so if you're if you're sort of yelling at the at your, whatever however you're listening to, if you're yelling at the, the your radio or your don't phone, yell at your computer. That's right. weird. <laughs> if you're yelling that, fine. Like we we might we can probably talk about that at some point today. But let's start with this. What I just said that it is some sort of internal dissonance. Shame yes. is essentially yeah. this this tension between who you know yourself to be on some deep level. And who you've been told you are, even if not directly, um, even if it's not, it's in the air. It's 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 to to Travis point. It is yeah. in the air a little bit. And 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 then so the question is though, even this dissonance about what is true about me, mm-hmm. or what I know to be true about me, versus what you are projecting onto me, or whatever is going on, or I actually look out and I, I begin to compare myself um, to somebody who mm-hmm. I I esteem, and I go, I'm not that. I'm less than that. And you can even project that onto yourself, right? Is why do we? Is it because it via the Christian worldview is because uh, we're fallen and so we fall victim to believing lies about ourselves? And I, I guess like why do we? Why why do we accept it? Is it simply because we're well, fallen and we're prone to let, accepting that? Let me ask you a question though, because now you've got my mind thinking. Is uh, how many people are aware that they are ashamed? How many people see their shame as uh, unfulfillment based on society and their friends, what everybody else is doing, and they're like, man, I wish I could be doing that. And then we start, we market off of it. We make self-help books. We have these oh. like philosophy posters, and it's like, how many people are truly aware of their no shame? One. I'm going to say something yeah. that's probably going to be the ruffles and feathers out there, maybe even on the side that a different sort of audience that I just addressed a few minutes ago. Um, I think of much of modern capitalism is based on shame. Mm. It, it absolutely, right. it absolutely, I, right. Mean, and I, meaning nobody's aware of the, right. The shame I don't think anybody's aware, but so like when, when, why, when be, why, because so, this, it, what is, what is, what is, what is it? What is, how do they market? So like, you don't have, you don't have this and you're yeah. not, and you're not and as if good. You don't have, you okay, so, so right. yeah. Renee Brown says this is shame promotes the fear of unworthiness of never being right. enough. Nor being worthy of having enough. That's so right. good. So, so you, so you see the fear. You see the commercial with the lady washing the dishes with the certain soap, and you go, "Oh, I'm, I'm not enough My, until I have that." Not only that, it's even worse than that. <laughs> it's not even worse. And you know so, it's soap. You know what's even this, you know what's even weirder is like in in your mind. Then in your mind, you think 
here's what that message is really telling you. Your dishes are dirty. Yeah. You're dirty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which some people are like, four. if my dishes I, I, are dirty, level, yeah. I am dirty. <laughs> I am not as good. Yeah. So it's like, okay. They're dirty dishes. Like, who so, cares? So now, so now you see this. <laughs> you, now you, you see this in parenting even. Right. And you go, it's the embarrassed parent. The parent right. that is explaining their wild child or their crazy. And what we do is, and, and I, I hate this, and, and, and I am a father now. Um, sir, you know, our kids yeah. can hang out, man. Yeah. And, uh, and so I think about this is I, I cannot stand and I understand, but I cannot stand with like, Oh, this is Johnny. He's my wild one. Yeah. You just named him. Right. This is, Su- <laughs> this is Susie. He, she's my shy one. She's timid. She, yeah. She, or she's rambunctious. And you're so, like, so here's, like, here's what I would say. I thought she was Susie. <laughs> right. Which is it? So here's what I would find interesting about this, because this is where you do get into some really interesting territory with parenting, especially, which is kind of where we started is how do you, um, learn, uh, get to know your kid and get to know and know the personality and ins and outs and the subtleties yeah. and all that without naming them and sort of boxing them in. Because naturally you're going to notice, oh, this one, this, this kid, my kid, you know, Susie is a little shy. Yeah. I'm not saying you introduce her as like the shy one, <laughs> yeah. but, but how do you do that? Because there is going to be some, and I think this is where it becomes much more difficult as a parent because yes. and this is why I would never I don't want to blame parents or because again well, I'm, no, gonna, we're not. I'm gonna make this I'm yeah. gonna make, I'm just gonna say this I'll say it and it's gonna be on the record and people can play this back to me 20 years from now when my kids a wreck uh, hopefully not <laughs> but you heard it here I'm first. gonna make mistakes absolutely my kid will have some sort of shame probably as a direct result of something I do yes right so let's just say that right. but how do you sort of get to know your kid and talk to your child about like who they are without Introducing these very specific things because I'll tell you this: um, last weekend we were up at the we were uh, at a men's retreat and I was sharing my my story and a lot of my identity growing up was in being the smart one. So know? so let's talk about that, right? Yeah. So so what you were saying is it's not necessarily a negative right. description as much as a positive description, and and so you go little Johnny smart, little Susie smart, and they go I'm smart. I have to live up to smart. Right. And so what ends up happening is, is I, I hate this. You're, uh, you know, I hear parents, you know, he's better than that. And I go, maybe he's not. And that's okay. And that's okay. Right. And so when you learn your, here's my whole deal is, you know, even in marriages, you gotta, you gotta commit to getting a doctorate in your spouse. Right. And so is we have a lack of interested humans on mm. this planet and in a digital age, in an age of media, we are losing our spirit and losing our soul. And Sherry Turkle speaks about this a lot, social psychologist, I believe, in that what 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 media, what technology has actually done is the converse of what it, it what it what it set out to do was to free us up to be creative and to think. And it's killing our creativity. Right. And it's also killing our interest in others. Right. And then you have the Western individualistic kind of narrative that it's you like right Keith, you talk about how the, the literature even and everything around it is you become the hero in your own story right. so i'm very disinterested in people now because of that now i gotta take ownership and you're saying how does a parent take ownership of knowing i know this i know i'm gonna screw my kid up on some regard but that shouldn't stop us from going i'm not going to i'm gonna do everything right. that i can right and so instead of me going oh, so i'm gonna play football and i go but he can't throw Catch or run. He's 5'2". Yeah. Like, what, that's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And, and Sorry, you go, yeah, I know, man. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> um, late bloomer. 
And and I go, what if he's good at chess? That's good. Right. And because yeah. we're not interested in others, right. we're only interested in ourselves. What ends up happening is you have parents that are disinterested in their kids because they like, you know, reading versus the pigskin, you know? Yes. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That's a problem. Right. Because you can't have a right. bunch of CEOs. So stop trying to make your kids something that they don't need to be. Yeah, Start right. investing in the person so, that they are and learn who they are and then you encourage. Right. And, put, and then sometimes you're going to have to encourage and One push way, and, right. and put your foot down, but not shame them into right. it and say, if you don't, how many families out there have the kid that were like, well, we expect that from them. But we don't, don't expect, expect that from, from the, the younger, younger sibling. He's never right. going, no, he's just too smart that he never got good grades because he, he saw his older sibling get reamed yeah. right. for not ma- reaching their goals. And you go, Steve is good too, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's smart too. He could get the grades. He just learned the system. Right. And so now he doesn't have to live well, up to your only, outlandish expectations. Not only this, and this is something that we've talked, I've talked about with, I think, each of the guys here on, in, on different occasions about, because again, I'm in higher education. And I think the higher education system is broken, to put it lightly. Um, so a lot of it, like, so we're pigeonholing these kids. I have kids regularly in my class that don't need to be in my class. And not because they're not smart enough to pass my class. Yeah. The, the talent that they have is not in analyzing the Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. And it yeah. doesn't need to be. Yeah. Right. Good. So, so yes. why, why am I, why am I, and this is even something I've had to question myself. Like, why am I participating in a system yeah. that I'm going to say does detriment to some of these students because they are forced to be in a system that doesn't produce excellence in them. Right. They're forced to fit into this, this certain structure that they don't thrive in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and so they feel bad about themselves. Right. right. So they feel bad right. they can't pass my class or they don't do well in my class. Mm-hmm. And I just want to take them aside and say, it's fine. Like, I, it, you are not less to me because you don't do well in my class. Well, this gets back to us learning what we're good at and what we're not good at. Right. And that doesn't make me less of right. a person. And it actually frees me up to be who I am. Right. And you're tapping into something great and, you, and you're talking about the, the, you're actually really, and I just read this book, Most Likely uh, to Succeed. And it talks about the history of education. Right. And it's not so much that even the way education is today, and I know that, I know you're, you're walking the fine line, but is, is we haven't caught up to what's happening right. in culture and society as a whole. Right. So our education system was once built for a time that right. it, it was important and now we're, we're, we're trying right. to play catch up yeah. and we can get into the big business right. of it. But, but aside from that is let's just go at it is it's not as effective right. because of where culture society is taking us mm-hmm. via technology and whatever. And so we we're behind in how in creating and cultivating environments for our children mm-hmm. to be, to be capable of, yeah. of cre- creativity. And, 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 and I don't want to get into yeah. too much because I hope to do a future episode we'll do a whole on, on, the higher, yeah, on education absolutely. systems and all that. So I don't yeah, want to spend yeah. too much time on this. But I do think it's interesting that, that it doesn't – because I think we I, – I was thinking about this originally in terms of parenting, especially young kids. But it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop when they hit 10 or no. 5 or – 15. Yeah. Like, even if I'm not the one doing it, it's still a system that they have to do. It's still a thing they have to deal with this idea of shame and being so. Anyway, um, yeah. So, this, I wanted to go back to a point. Your, your point, you were talking about lack of interested people. Yeah. Well, I, I think 
when we get into it is is um, I, I see this all the time working with the high schoolers is the comparison trap, right? Mm -hmm. They call, we're constantly comparing ourselves, and whether we're we're being compared to our siblings. Maybe right. right. Let's right. just say, let's just yeah. we'll, we'll attack everything. Yeah. You're, you're being compared to your classmates, and you're like, dude, I'm just not good at math. Right. And so in our society, <laughs> we go, oh, man. And then you have this one kid, right? I remember <laughs> I was I was dating someone who had a friend who just never got less than an A. Just book smart. Found out I was a kinesiology major and said, oh, he's he's gonna he's he's gonna be a psychic. And I said, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. So what, what, even getting into education, Keith just took off his glasses. And, and so, and so, yes, I know. I took my invisible ones off too. I was like, yo, what? And so I went, wait, who's, who's smart here? Right? Because you learn textbook or, so we're different people. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's letting that book smart person know that they're not so great at other things and that's okay. But right. in that realm, they look down on people because they can't get straight. And so this is part but of the, the reason right. that they're looking down on people is because they're scared to death because they know that they're not right. good at that other stuff. So yes. they're, right. it's they're a defense mechanism of against that. It. It's a defense yeah. mechanism. So if we could get to the point to, to Keith's point where, um, that person that shouldn't be reading Pilgrim's Progress with him can know that that person's really good at lots of other things that Keith right. isn't good at. Right. Why? Which is why he's leading this lecture on Pilgrim's Progress. Right. Exactly. And it's, it doesn't make either of you better than the other. It's just who you no. are. So be that. Right. Yes. Then I feel like the shame would start to we'd be able to start to yeah. strip back these layers of shame and start right. to become who we. So who we so are. so shame obviously it's a, it promotes a fear of never being enough, right? Is right. to quote Brené Brown. Shame promotes a fear of never being enough. I think it's a byproduct of of not knowing that you're ever enough. Well, absolutely. But but the shame in and of itself is her argument is what promotes a when, fear. Right. Okay. Promotes yeah. The, fear. the feeling of so it. we it's have this. So what I get at is I go I go ever since a child is born he constantly and don't get offended because I'm going to use the father figure but it's looked at he looked at he looked at he looked at right. and we continue to say looked at he looked at he looked at it's a concept right right yeah. we're doing it in our careers and if we do it in our relationships look babe look yeah. sweetie look what I did look coworker. Look, boss. Look, society. Look, neighbor. I got the boat. Look, look, Steve. Come yeah. on. And we want, we want to be the because we want to be on top, and but we want to be more than. On another level, though, do you think the people that they're saying, "Hey, look, daddy. Look, boss," that they, the people they're saying that to, want that? They're like, want what? Oh, oh, they, oh they well, want, I think they're like, yes, the guy wants my here's, approval. So here's I'm, why I, think, which is another form. But of I would say that. here's why I think that's the case because okay, so uh, you you do a good job. You want your boss to just tell you do you did a good job. The boss wants to have that because he wants to, to be able to say my, to, to use like a weird term, my bosshood instead of my personhood, my bosshood yeah. is important right. because if I'm not the boss, <laughs> then I'm not as good. So, so my position has to mean something. So I need my underlings, I need my subordinates to look to me for approval because if they don't, then it's an empty system. That's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so, so it, both, it, both pieces of the puzzle right. are rooted in shame. Right. And Absolutely. that's what's causing yeah. this. Which this is a great, shame. which is a great, a great question, right? Josh is, is yes. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. Yes. And, and even, you know, you have, I have yeah. kids breaking down over, they feel like if they don't want to go to the next level of sports, right. that they're less than because there has been coaches who are like, well, you want to go D1, bro? And you're like, no, I just want to play high school. Right. Is, that, is that okay just because you didn't make it? Yeah. Right. Yes. And, and, and so then you have parents living through their children, 
right. and they're obsessed with something. Yes. And it goes back to even these these things about like, dude, and kids feel, kids right. feel when their parent, when their parent's not fired up about what they're doing. And right. I would say, why aren't you fired about what your kid's doing? Because you're just fired up about your kid. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, and so this fear of yeah. that, 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 you know, shame promotes fear. And so she gets into vulnerability and she says, vulnerability is neither good or bad, but I, I believe if I'm, if, if I'm remembering right is it is the means through which we're able to, uh, we're able to put ourselves out there and mm-hmm. be exposed to criticism and a failure. Right. And so I, I, I make myself vulnerable. It's not a vulnerability, but see vulnerability right. is defining our society's weakness. Right. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's a thing thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's neutral. Yeah. It's a thing that allows you to feel everything, right. to experience everything yeah. in its fullness and say, and live this wholehearted living, I think right. is to borrow her term again, is this uh, shout out to Brené Brown is, right. is being able to accept failure and not attach it to your identity. Tim Keller's book on the freedom of self-forgetfulness is, yeah. is the best book ever. And so, <laughs> and I, I need to read it every so often to remind myself that I'm both enough and that I'm super egocentric. <laughs> and, and going, the reason I have an ego and I need to keep feeling the ego as he borrows from the scriptures of Paul yeah. is the reason I need to fill my ego is because it's empty or my ego is filled up or it's, 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 it's overinflated. It's like a balloon. And he <laughs> says, Paul says it needs to be filled up right. by Jesus. Right. So for the, the Christian audience or even, but it's, is if it's filled up by anything that can be taken away from you, right. it's crushing, you know, and there's this beautiful quote by Madonna and, and Keller goes, you guys think that she's this narcissistic nut. And he goes, no, she just knows herself better than you. She talked about how she's never going to be enough. She, she's realized through all of her accomplishments, through all of her things right. that, that it's never going to be enough. And Keller goes, you look at that and you go, gosh, are you kidding me? And, and he's making the point that, no, she's just way more self-aware right. than the rest of us because that's the exact same place that the rest of us are trying to get to. She just had enough life experience to get there sooner than a lot of people are able and to get meditation. there. enough yeah. meditation. <laughs> but, and yeah. she does, she says, she basically, she, 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 she fills the cupboard up every night, right? She goes and she has this epic performance and you have 20 million people screaming your name and worshiping you yeah. and the next day, you have to go do it again because you need the applause <laughs> right. because you don't believe you're enough. And right there, what's she doing? She's she's shaming herself. Right. You see, and so that this is her point: yeah. is it, there's a constant shame from the outside that you accept, and then you begin to be your number one shamer. Yeah, uh, it's weird too because when we become aware of this like where it's almost already too late for us to make a change because Mm -hmm. like you guys said it all starts back as uh you know where our parents start raising us like okay yeah it's so hard as an adult to change your mindset like you can read these books you can watch videos of people saying hey do this but it's so difficult to like you know, that's turn, good. turn that off. So let's talk about this a little bit. So that's, bit. The, that's, that's what, what one person calls the inner voices that we have from a child. Right, okay, so so how do we start to change that narrative that we've believed about ourselves for 20, 30, 40, 50, however, however many years? How do we, once we see it, and if you're listening to this, maybe for the first time you're going, oh. That's why like, I do that. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I do that. What do we do with shame um, now that we can identify it, now that, now that we can see it, how do we start to get rid of it? 
So, so, so I'll just set it off as simple as this is, and, and I, I totally agree with this, is to understand it mm -hmm. and then to articulate or verbalize. And, and that is what Brene Brown says right. is the key to undoing or to getting rid of yes. the shame because you go, so, so many people know my story, but is I was abandoned at six months old by my father mm -hmm. and thank God for mothers out there who are consistent, right? And stick mm -hmm. around. And so I didn't realize, well, we, mm -hmm. we don't, like Josh said, we don't realize these things. They just become a part of who we are. Right. Yeah. And so I realized around the age 21 and it's funny because my mom would say like, you're such a happy kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and what was that? It was the anger was a mask for her. Right. And so I grew up feeling never enough because there's something I think within both a mother and a father and in my, in my, just in my personal research, so don't take this out, don't go freak out about this. In my personal research, there's something about a father in, in a daughter and a son's life that man just does something the same way mothers have this incredible thing about them in different stages right. of life that a, a, a man, a father right. cannot do. Right. And so this is something I think that a father, a, a, a man just has a, a, an innate quality. And so I've never been, that was an inner voice, dude, you're not enough. And, yeah. and I didn't have that guy <laughs> spurring me on. I had a mom doing it, but, but I didn't have this, I didn't, that in and of itself. And I finally figured this out in my early twenties ago, oh, and then I started to see, I project onto you, I make you in my relationships. I'm like, do you, do you love me? Am I enough? And it, right. boy, it really boils yeah. in up. But so Ryan, you're going, so how do we get around this? Well, I had to finally realize I did have a daddy issue. Whereas, you know what I used to say growing up? I don't need a dad. Hmm. Everybody needs a dad. Right. <laughs> so yeah. so what, why did I say that? Yeah, right. Why did I say my mom is like a dad, mom and a dad, which is actually weird and impossible. <laughs> my mom is not like a mom and a dad. She's like a mom, She's like a mom without... Yeah. A husband to help raise me yeah. and so I had to be honest about that pain which we live in a society we're not good about that and that's a vulnerable it's a vulnerable element right. in my life that I had to come to this place of vulnerability where I had to say I wish I had a dad so so here's I want to one of the ways and again so remember earlier when I said those people who are anti-christian yes this is might be where you might latch on to something but I want you to hang on with us and, and not turn off after I say this and say we won um, because I think there's something in <laughs> some of the some of the way the Christian church today approaches one of the theological concepts of, origin, of original sin because there's a way to teach that that produces more shame right yes. because essentially what the what the product with the theology of the doctrine of original sin essentially says all humans are bad yes. right Immediately we can think, yeah, we know where shame can come from. So my question isn't, isn't we need to like, I'm not saying we need to throw that out. My question is, how does the church teach us about ourselves? Because there is a real truth there that there is something about, we fall short of our own expectations all the time, right? Or we fall short. So there's a real truth about humanity there. But how do we do that without producing this deep-seated shame? And getting rid of the fact that, yes, we are uh, fallen. Right. And I'm going to throw it to Ryan because we talk about this all the time and we this, talk about I was, this is, I was setting this up on a tee for Ryan. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I was just... I am too and I'm not saying it. I'm just like, please, please get into it. Because uh, Ryan, and I'll just be honest, I've heard you talk about this and it's yeah. actually helped me a lot yeah. over my last two years of the journey. Based on how do, we, how do we get out of shame, right? Yeah, and it's all just me 
<laughs> trying to deal with my own stuff, right? Um, but it is something I'm passionate about. And I, I think as a starting point, we need to start the story from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? So, um, Josh, you're a Harry Potter fan, yeah. right? right? If you would have picked up uh, source, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and skipped uh, the first chapter and the second chapter uh, about the boy who lived and then just jumped straight into the story, you wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't be able to make a whole lot of sense about who no, this... The, the whole resolution wouldn't have mean, meant as much had I not read those right. chapters. Right, and, and so I think sometimes we approach the Bible the same way where in, in Genesis chapter 3, um, Adam and Eve take the fruit and they, they eat it and, and they sin and that's where the guilt and the shame enter in. And that's where we would say we've inherited Adam's sin, original sin, um, which I agree with. Well, where right? does the Bible we, start? We have, we have inherited this sin and, and the shame, <laughs> the guilt is everywhere. However... If you go back to the first chapter and the second chapter and you read it, it's about a God who creates this incredible universe and and this world and he calls it good and then he creates the animals and he blesses them and he tells them to be fruitful and multiply and he calls them good and then he creates human beings in his image. This is Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28. It says, hey, go be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. And he goes, this is good. In fact, he goes, this is really, really good. Yes. So before the fall, before shame entered right. the picture, before sin came, before everything broke, God looks down on us and he goes, I didn't mess up. Yes. Right. Uh, this is this is good. So so I would say that uh, underneath all the layers of of sin and brokenness and shame that that even comes with birth, we have to get back to understanding that humans are actually good. Mm. Humans are are good. Now this rocks the boat in right. the theological circles. So go ahead. So what I was going to say is I think that's where Keller's book self the art freedom freedom, freedom self self is actually brilliant because what he's he's saying is you have to forget yourself. Yes. But in an essence, and I don't I haven't read it, so tell me if I'm off, but in essence, underneath that you have to not just forget yourself, but at the same time, you have to remember a deeper self. So right? you have to remember that. You have to remember the pre-fallen relationship with God, right? Now, it doesn't mean you throw out the, this idea that, that we do exist in a in a broken world. You say like, oh, there is a part of me that was that was deeper than my shame, that is truer than my shame. That, that connects with God, right? Well, he's he, he well in, in the book he's talking about the condition of the human ego, right? And he basically says this is that you can't hurt my feelings. He says you hurt my ego, right? And he says we live in a society that basically uh, promotes high self-esteem, right? But high self-esteem is actually over the course of humanity is the mainly the root of all evil, is to esteem oneself. And so he says low self-esteem can promote that as well. I would say it's actually the same thing as low self-esteem it's, in some sense. Yes. It's not the exact, but like... Well, it, it, well it's, what he's saying is that low self-esteem is actually better almost than high self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But we've grown up in the last 30 years where a mom drives down the street with my son's in on the honor roll, right? right? And 30, 40 years ago, people were like, that lady's nuts. Right. Because that that's not healthy. Right. And so... So now what, what happens is he said, okay, you do have an ego, that's true. It needs to be filled up. Right. And so he says, Paul, he's in essence saying, Paul is saying, I don't care what you think about me, right? but I also really don't care what I think about right. me. Right. And I take that a step further and I say, no, 
at the end of the day, it's only I care what I think about me because if I didn't care what I think about me, I wouldn't care what you think about me. And so at the end of the day, it's me focused on myself, whether that if you want to argue with me or not is irrelevant. That's I'm just saying I take a step right. further and say at the core of it is I'm so concerned. And what he's saying is he's saying more so you do have an ego. It needs to be filled up with Jesus. Right. So there's no room for me to attach right. what you think about me or yeah. what I think about my failures or successes right. and make that my identity. Rather, my identity is in I am well-pleased. Right. You are my son in whom I am well-pleased. So if you have, I, you have to forget the self that is defined by other people. Exactly. And you have to remember the self that is defined by Christ in ex- this case. This is exactly his point. And so I'm a Thomas Merton and Henry Nowen junkie. And I think it's Thomas Merton who coined these phrases, which is what Ryan and you are talking about is the true self versus the false self. Right. And our false self leads us to performing. Right. And all we're doing when we're performing is is what we're trying to do is we're trying to mask the shame that we right. bestowed upon ourselves or yeah. that was bestowed that, upon us. And that's that's why I think high high like high self-esteem is actually just low self-esteem masked in something else. Because like this projection of I I love like and, and there are maybe people who generally be like I I see myself as this huge like this this big this this grand this this important person I think that's just a mask to say like I really feel like terrible about myself but I'm gonna show you uh, and I feel better about myself yeah yeah I think I I think you're kind of hitting it on the head is it's it's kind of one in the same right but but there is a slight difference right. the, the difference yeah. is Hitler esteemed himself right. Because he went, I deserve. So, so right. the, the the guy who beats his wife mm-hmm. probably has high self esteem. We go, no, there's no way. And you're like, no, no, no. He esteems himself. Yes. In high regard, he holds himself in high regard. But, but I would say, so I I agree with you because I would say that high and low self esteem are both just one the false this. self. Right. Yes. Oh, that's okay. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. genius. Yeah, so, so then so, to get back to to Chad's point, like ten minutes ago. Um, yeah, weird that the four of us would get on rap trails. <laughs> um, the answer then to to how do you get rid of the false self or, or how, shame, do you, how, do you, how do you start right. to take that, that shame away, I think is doing exactly what we're doing, is having conversations mm-hmm. and, and yeah. having dialogue and, and being open and honest about right. things yeah. because you say it and, and then you go, oh, like they're still here. You know, yeah. like, like they're yeah. still listening yeah. to me. There, there's this lie underneath right. shame that, yes. that says yeah. never, never, never talk about it. That shame is wrong, and so push it down. And so right. it's this this never yeah. ending cycle that, yeah. that, that yeah. just keeps it down beneath the surface. How do you wage war on that? You talk about it, right? Yeah, you, yeah, and and I think you talk about it in the light of truth. And like you know, we've been kind of addressing both audiences or whatever. And mm. is there absolute truth, whatever? But at the end of the day, we I, let's just for the sake of going, yeah, there is truth about who we are and that we're right. enough. Right? Yeah. And, to, and to borrow Keller's phrases, our, our deepest desire is to be fully known and fully loved. Yeah. And so our fear comes in when we go, if they know me, they won't accept me. Right. They won't, they won't love me. They won't want to spend time with me. And I've learned in my own life and in the life of others, I've watched it, is the, the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. And when I, I make myself vulnerable in my marriage, right. my wife draws near to me. 
Mm. But it, it, with friends, they go, whoa, you t-. Or you go, it's an opportunity for two guys to go, you too? Yeah. And then all of a sudden we have this, right? Because we're, right. we're, 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 humans are, are shaped and wired for connectivity. Yeah. And that's what we desire even, you know, even on the spectrum of these extroverted, introverted kind of personalities. Mm. And we have this tendency, you, you and I were talking about this key, is, is to isolate. Right. And, yeah. and I think even that is like, uh, you know, that can be many different things. But at the end of the day is... Ryan, you're right. Is we have to be, we have to create, we have to create right. circles, discussions to be able to talk about this and to create environments and cultivate those environments for people to be vulnerable about their about who they are, right. about their dealing with. Well, and I'll say like, and this is just a little bit of the behind the scenes for those of you out there. It's like, so this this whole project started, this whole idea started years ago, and and I and I'll speak for myself, and you guys can chime in, but. Growing up, I would always have, I would always ask these strange questions or make these strange yeah. statements, and I would just get stares back at me. <laughs> I would just be like, "What are you talking about, Keith?" And then slowly, and I, I found some. And then I, about four or five years ago, about four years ago, mm-hmm. I started chatting with the four guys right here, and and I st- a light bulb clicked where I'd ask a question and instead of getting a stare back. I would get this look at the like with me and Travis. Like I'd, yeah. I'd ask a question, and Travis would be like. I'm glad you asked that question. I've been thinking about this for years. Yes, and it, and yes. so I started to, it started to click and I was like, oh, it's fine to ask these sorts of questions because that's just who I am. And it's fine to have these sorts of discussions because that's just who I am. And I found a community where that's, you know, okay. I can be vulnerable and be promoted. Yeah, right, so yeah. what it, 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 but it wasn't that I have to exist in this community, right? Yeah. I do because that's, that's, that's a whole other discussion, but I can still ask these questions. In, get the blank stare. And get the blank stares <laughs> because now I realize, yeah, it's weird to ask that question and I'm okay with that, but that's just part of who I am. So for me, it's not, it's a matter of, of which is. is what I've come to understand is this idea of humbleness is not a lower understanding of yourself than, so, so humbleness is not, it, when you need to be humbled, it's not, you need to think less of yourself. Maybe you need to think less of yourself than you have been thinking of yourself, but it's not like I need to think of myself as worse than I am. No. And I definitely need to not think of myself as better than I am. I need to have a proper understanding. Yeah. Of well, and I would even I would even say it's not weird to ask the questions. It's weird to think it's weird to ask the questions. Right. And so. And so. Right. If I you just think it's weird. You're weird. And I just and so, need to realize. I need yeah. to realize that that's just who I am. I need to be okay with. That's just my. That's just who I am, right? I I have I yes. have this, so it's a proper understanding of self. It's, it's not good. good. It's not bad. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Good. Thing. Right. It's just. Yeah. It's a thing. It's <laughs> yeah. like it's just the thing. Right. That's so. That's what I've had to, to come, and I've gone through a lot of th- things, and, and you know, over the last couple of years, where I've had to come to that realization yeah. is that I, I've had to realize that, that um, when people say they're being humble, they're really projecting their false self again. Yeah. Well, we won't, we won't get into it, but you can't right. be humble. Right. Humble's an yeah. action. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like when people say like, oh, I'm just, I'm, you know, they're like, I'm just being humble and all that, which is ridiculous. I understand. Yeah. Oh, it's when you ask, when you know this prominent athlete right. in the area and you say, hey, like, are you good at, you know, your sport? And yeah. they, they, they close up right. and they don't tell you yes. And I go, you're not being humble. Right. A truly humble right. person, A, is someone who is completely interested in others right but also that can say yeah I, I'm I'm a really good I'm going right. here I'm being looked at and right. that's not arrogant no. to say the truth we think right. the truth is a, somehow this arrogant right. thing and one of the things actually this is a sort of an aside but one of the things that I really had to to, to realize someone I forget who said this to me but I think it took years for me to really have it sink in um, I when I was a kid and, and through most of my life I was terrible at taking compliments mm. and making me uncomfortable yeah. and, I, and I would try to be like eh, that's not that big a deal <laughs> 
And then someone said, being bad at taking compliments is a form of arrogance. Yes. And I was like, oh crap, oh, that sucks. Yeah, so I've had you to, don't know your right. Yeah. So I've had to come. I've had to come to realize that. I, here's the the way you, it, when someone gives you a compliment, just say thank you. That's yeah. it. That's it. Just say yeah. thank you. Right. They're trying to do something nice to you. They're not saying. They're not waiting for you to say, "Oh, I'm so good," so they can get. It's not a gotcha moment. They're offering you. They're extend. They're being vulnerable. To your point, yeah. they're being. They're to yeah. terms of, They're extending a, a hand. And by saying something like, "Oh, wasn't that big a deal?" You're slapping their hand down. Man, you right? can almost say thank you and you're welcome. Like, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, because 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 yeah. Keith, you are smart, and so you say thank you, great. But also, yeah, I am smart, and so I'm gonna go be smart, right? Yeah. You know, why, why like, can't like, the I'm, I'm, I'm gonna use what what God's given me, or, yes. right. or what whatever right. He's given me, and I'm gonna go and, yeah. and I'm gonna use. But what is what, what is if you guys write a book, right? Like Josh and and, and Ryan, you guys write a lot, mm. and and if and if someone gets a hold of anything you write, and it's like, dude, that was so awesome. There's almost this like humility in being like, oh, you're welcome. Like, <laughs> like, like I know that you're like, that sounds arrogant. But the joke yeah. there is kind of like, so the author who write, writes this number one best-selling book is like, thank you. What do you say when someone yeah. says thank you? You're, you're welcome. welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Right. And they give you yeah. a compliment and there's almost a sense in like, thank you for existing. You're like, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and yeah. whatever, I'm being cheating, but it's, you're going... But at the end of the Poorly. day, it's like, dude, yeah. why and that's did, hard. But that's hard for us. Why? Because why? Because it's, it's appreciation okay. of others. So, but to bring this back to the where we started, <laughs> it's the same thing as the parent slapping the little boy's yes. hand away. It's the it's not about the boy. No, it's about you, right? It's so they're you. they're coming out and they're saying, right. they're saying thank you. I'm extending a vulnerable moment to you, mm. and you're literally slapping the hand away, saying no. Don't yes. Don't, don't do that. And you nope. shame them. And, and because you're not secure in yourself, they feel yeah. uncomfortable and right. awkward. And then you bestow sh- yes. Yeah. You shame them. And you know what's funny is uh, uh. I, I got this. So so when people sometimes adjust well sometimes. And so if Most I get a compliment, time, yeah. yeah. Hey, you're very fashionable. Thank false, you for all your. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and so someone goes, someone goes like this. He goes, oh, those are dope. Or oh, that's a that's a dope shirt or whatever. I go right. Right. Like, I'm they, agree they, with you. Like I know they, that's why I'm wearing it. They <laughs> expect you to be uncomfortable with it, though. They don't expect you to say. But you know what they expect me to say is, is yeah. "Thank you." I said you were complimenting the shirt. Me, are you complimenting my like sense of fashion? So then say, "Dude, you have really good style. Thank you." But they're like, "Dude, that's a sick shirt." I go, "I know, right?" And all of a sudden, I'm a jerk and I'm arrogant. And I'm cocky, right. and I go, "What?" That's <laughs> what I said when I saw on the rack. Right. That's why I got it. And all of a sudden, I'm so it's this right. weird yeah. perversion. I, and, and, and to your point of like getting a compliment, dude, and not saying thank you is that person in turn, you're shaming them. Right. And then they're going like, man, I thought I was doing something normal, right, and good because right. I appreciate. And so now it gets in view. I just want to say this is we, because we're so focused on self, we right. don't appreciate everybody else's beauty and I'm not talking about just physical I'm talking but even physical we don't appreciate it right. and because we live in a culture in which we are envious and right. we're constantly jealous of yes. others we can't appreciate the person and that is to the point of Keller's book is he said you get to a place and you're a truly a person who has, has forgotten themselves they they go I'm glad it was done right they go I didn't have to write the book 
I didn't have to hit the home run. Yeah. I'm just, you can beat me on the court and I'm glad you did it. Right. Because, because it had to be done. Someone right. had to win and I can now look at the winner and go, bravo. So because well what, so they're, what they're yeah. saying to you is like, you brought, you've brought some sort of joy to my life. Yes. yes. And you're, yeah. and what, and if you, if you say anything other than thank you, if you say like, ah, oh, it wasn't that big a deal, you're telling them their joy wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, talk about and a, that's uh, terrible. Like, talk about like, the, the false self like, with the, okay, and this is, yeah. this is, and, and, and who, who's helped me? I think, I think, and I don't know if this is what he was saying, but, uh, author uh, John Mark Homer says, I think it was him. He says, uh, uh, you know, this this false self when people are like, oh man, that was great. It's like, you know, it's just all glory to God. And you're like, well, yes, but God didn't do it. Right. Like he did it, but he but he yeah. used you. Right. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. you yeah. can say thank you. Yes. Because he called you to do it because he called your co heirs. He's saying, I want you to create and cultivate right. to this point. And he's going, hey, stop pretending and say like oh really i didn't see uh, god didn't give the sermon man. right he gave you the gift yes yeah, so, so cool right. so when genesis 3 is the yes. starting point then then that shame uh is what enters into the picture and we go right. oh i had it had right. to be god because i'm yeah. i'm just a piece of garbage or whatever right. but when genesis 1 is the starting point then we go oh god created me and i'm going to use right. the, the gifts that god gave me to right. do something in this world and guess what that makes even god that gives more glory to God right. than, than us yes. going, oh, well, well, I'm nothing, right? And so it all comes back to right. understanding the, the, the beginning of this story. Let, let, let's talk for a moment. Let's talk about the white elephant that is society and culture. So I, I've heard, like, I, I remember this moment specifically when I was 16. I became aware of, like, shame, other, my, my mom's shame towards me, I guess. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. But she, the, this, the Christmas card, okay? My brothers and sisters, like, the, you know how they like to have those big... Uh, what, what's everyone up to? My brother and sister had like these paragraphs. Hey, so and so's graduating, so and so's going through this. Yeah. And for me, there's one sentence. <laughs> one sentence. And I was like, dude, my mom, I think my mom's ashamed of me because she was raised on like the leave it to beaver type uh, happy days. Like that was the, the culture right. she was So explaining right now, not blaming. Yeah. But so she inherited the leave it the, to beaver. She inherited that. Right. She was taught that. That idea. So now. We fast forward today and you know, us waking up from shame is like coming out of the matrix, you know? We got all like the, <laughs> pulling all the tubes yeah. out. And then, but it goes back to like objective beauty. Why can't they see what I see? Like, how am I gonna make myself vulnerable and put myself out there without right. them knowing where it's, I'm coming from? Fantastic. Yes. And so we have like, even today's society's definition of acceptance yeah. is not real. It's like, right. I'm accepting you because it makes me feel better as a human right. being about whatever it is yeah. you want. Yeah, well, yeah we're constantly so rejecting and accepting things in order. So if I reject something, what I'm doing is I'm trying to find my identity in it. If mm. I'm, ex I'm about that, I'm not, and when I say I'm not about that, it's also, it, what it's doing is I'm saying that's part of who I am. Right. And so we, you know, we're compelled by things or we're, we're repelled by things. And I would even say there's, there's an element of, of, no, it's, you know, the jealousy factor is you are compelled by it, but you're jealous, so you can't be compelled by it instead of the appreciation yeah. and, and understanding like the complexity of each kid. Yeah. That like you didn't have three of the same. And even if you had triplets, they ain't the same. Right. Yeah. Right. So we're constantly absorbing what society wants from us. So even if we're like, we're aware of, of this, we, we tend to get buried beneath what everybody else is thinking or projecting yeah. onto us. Yeah. And I think, I think that's why shame is the starting point to transformation. Identifying shame, right. looking at shame, seeing yeah. shame, calling shame what it is. It's, it's like a, 
it's like a car. <laughs> First soul is like a dirty car, mm -hmm. you know, that has just a, a bunch of dirt on the outside and water everywhere. Yes. Identifying shame is like the car wash, right? Where there's a whole bunch of stuff inside of it that still needs to be like sifted through and worked on. But when we when we see the shame, we, we call it what it is, and it's like we get this like nice car wash for our car, so that we can at least see inside and, and see like what, what's down there and what's you going on. You know, down. you know, you just made me think about with your car illustration is white. Why do people buy white cars? Because they don't look as dirty. Yeah. And so it's almost like we're like the white, we're like these white cars, yeah. and they're like, and then and then you like you said you take it to the wash and you go, yeah. oh, yeah, oh, there was a film. You, yeah. but you know what? You know what? You know, what, yeah. you know what my, where my mind took me to is like, why do people write "wash me" on those cars as if they're shaming the they're car not, that it's dirty? That's like shame, like what? shame like, tactics, guys. You're like, I know my car is dirty. You don't need to write "wash no, Keith, me" on Keith, it because there is because right, if you're 40 like, years old and up, right. if you don't have a your car no, is I, not clean, but I just you think, are not. I just a, think that's you're a not a whole person. I just think that's Rath a funny impulse. And that's what it we've is. been talking about. It's a funny impulse for like the 16 year old kid because he thinks it's funny, which is the worst right. form of humor. But why would they like, even do this? Because the 45 year old. Right, right. right. no, I understand it. I just, why, let's, same, let's take it a, a step it's further. It's part of the same system. Let's yes. take it a step further. Absolutely. Why, Absolutely. why do you feel super uncomfortable? I'm not saying us, I don't think the four of us fall into this category, but why do a lot of people feel so ashamed when somebody comes over to their house and it's yes. not clean, right. spotless? What do you say? Don't go in that room. Do right. not, do yeah. not. Go in, we pretend to be something we're not in the moment. It's just, it's right. yeah. like, how is there a better picture of just our souls? Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't look at that part. Yes. Yeah. You know, let's not talk about. Because don't do that. Again, again, but going back, but going back to Travis's point, because there's a vulnerability in inviting, inviting, not even just having someone stop by your house, but inviting someone over in. when your house is a mess. Yeah. There's a certain amount of courage and vulnerability. What like, are you inviting them come into? Come in, because you're, to your real, like this is what to it yourself. looks like. Yeah. This is what this looks like this is what Tuesday every looks like. day, <laughs> right? This is what this, and, and there's, so you go into someone's house, and I, and this happens all the time. You go into someone's house, and they're like, I apologize for the mess. And it doesn't matter how messy it is, they'll always apologize for right. the mess, because it's a weird- And you go, yeah, you're sorry, you clean it up. Right, but even then, <laughs> so but, I don't but what I, what I want to try to do, and this is, it's a genuine feeling of mine, but I also think it's important in the discussion, like, you know what, it's fine. Like it's fine. Oh, I'm I always say that. Okay. Yeah, but I know, I know, and that's like sort of the polite, like that's the I'm sorry, it's messy. Oh, it's fine. That's the polite it's, sort of social contract. But I'm saying there needs to be genuine expression in that. Like that's fine. Yeah. It's funny too that you mentioned. That. I almost want to say like I'm glad it's messy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. Hey, 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 you know what? I was right. Thank. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you mentioned that because like when I take people in my car, my car's messy most of the time, and I'm always. Doesn't like, talk to you about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there needs to be some like accountability on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm like, my car is messy. I would clean it, but I, I don't care. And then they look at me with like this shame. They're like, you should be ashamed. So like, yes, like, you should care. Like, yeah. why? <laughs> you should care that you care, bro. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, you have other things to do. I think what we're saying is, aren't there some more important things in this world that we should actually care about? For right. sure. Right? Other than than yeah. making sure every last piece of dust is off of. Right. Well, dude, it, we have. Yeah, and if it really bothers you that much, offer to help them clean it. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and, and let's go back to People let's go back yeah. to just. <laughs> just <laughs> if it really bothers you, <laughs> yeah, come over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is is I my my one of my cousins? He's very artistic. I mean, he's an insane artist yeah. and a great musician. And we, me, him, and my brother shared a room for years through college. 
<laughs> and I'm not the cleanest guy, but I'm pretty tidy. And then it kind of goes down from to my, I would say, then my brother, then him, or whatever. And my cousin can function with guitar strings at the edge of his pillow. Right. Yeah. And CDs at the foot of his bed. Yeah, right. Like, I, I'm, I'm not talking about like, like stacks and, and, and a guitar laying next to him. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. Right. No. And no. I would I, go, I, what? And we always we have these jokes about. It. We always reflect right. on our old, and we kind of like make fun of each other about things. And and I just go, he's okay. Right. Yeah. Why does that bother me? Because I didn't sleep in his bed with him. Right. We were twenty. In our that's 20s. a whole other discussion. Yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> that's fine. But he and went out one night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was tired. I thought it was my bed. <laughs> And so, in in that is why do I care? Now, if he put his guitar strings on my bed, yes, yeah. I care now. But he didn't, yeah. and it's fine. And he functions well. Right, he's fine. He is he's an incredible guy. And, it, and who cares? But it goes right. back to why are we so obsessed with everyone trying to be like this? Is what we do in relationships, right? Right. And 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 this is what you guys were talking about something earlier. I just wanted to kind of go back a little bit as to what what is going on and what is going on in our humanity and Keller talks about this in the meaning of marriage is when you get married with someone you're really signing up to partner with God to create and to cultivate an environment for that person mm-hmm. to become who God created them to be not who you want them to right. be which is usually just yourself yes. and N.T. Wright brings up there's these moments where you get a glimpse right. of who they were really created to be and quote unquote, who we will be as our future selves. So, so let's even yeah. then wrap. Let's yeah. kind of put a bow yes. on this then, yes. because if we're going to take that model, and that's a brilliant illustration for marriage, but it's a perfect illustration for parenting. Mm. Your responsibility as a parent, and again, yes, please hear me. I am not a parent yet, and I will not be a perfect one. But if that's the call, the call is to create an environment and cultivate an environment where your kid is not who you want them to be, which is shame. Good. But who God made them to be, which is truth. Yes. So that's, if we're going to think about shame in parenting, and again, we're all human, so we're going to make that mistake, but the goal is to create an environment where the kid becomes who they're supposed to be. Their true self. And and you won't shame them. Now, there's some other things where, yeah, it's you can't drop your pants in the middle of the grocery aisle, but, but, but you do it in a way that, 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 that you cultivate the yeah. person, the, the soul, rather than, than like... The, the, the social yeah. construct of the kid. And you do that through having enough courage to have conversations. You right. do that through having um, the, the wherewithal. I think, I think for a lot of it, it's just, it's just ignorance, right? right. Like, like nobody knows. And, right. and then you right. say that and you go, okay, I'll do that. Yeah. Right. Right? right. So it's having the enough education and, right. and thought, thinking through this enough to realize, hey, I, I need to celebrate mm-hmm. the, the good parts of my kid. I need to not try to try to fit them into a certain mold. I need to understand that there's going to be times where they they mess up and so let's talk about that in a healthy environment right and let's let's put them on the right trajectory and let's let's go from there yeah right right. i'm gonna end this way because i just want this i want this recorded too (laughs) to whoever my firstborn because you're about to be born in about six months Mm. i'm so excited for you to be here i love you already all right that's good all right all right
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. you do listen to us and uh, follow us on all the social medias like us on Facebook like us uh, follow us on Twitter like Humanican Media follow them um, and our Twitter handle is uh, at W-A-T underscore podcast and then Humanica Media yeah just uh, hu- uh, Humanica just at Humanica Media that's uh, alright and, and we'd love to hear your comments your feedback anything like that follow us give us a shout out um Respond to us. Let us us know what you want to hear. Yeah, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you think about this episode. We want to know um, everybody's feedback. um, Wherever that takes place. Wherever you find us, let us know what you think. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it... it, uh... It hurts.